Welcome to the Music of the Spheres podcast. We are broadcasting tonight from somewhere deep in the hills of upstate New York. Wherever, whenever, and however you're listening, we thank you for being a part of our universe. We are two brothers, bivocational ministers, seekers of truth, and drinkers of yellow beer. And we are broadcasting episode number 43 right now. Well, that's a good number, I, I feel, as we continue through the 40s, the roaring 40s, and you <laughs> are celebrated by throwing yeah, your phone. I'm just going to throw my phone. Across the I heard a story about you throwing your phone, too. <laughs> so why did, oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> Sometimes Siri just, you know, is asking for it. <laughs> that would be a great, like, I would love to hear some listener communications about the hatred of Siri. Yeah. There's got I can't be the only person. Yeah, you, could had, a, you could do a whole two hours, probably. Yeah. Yes. People I, calling in. Yeah. I want to end Siri. I, it's like... Maybe for episode 50, we'll just do like a, how technology is taking yes. over. It'll be like a Black Mirror yes. sort of episode. I love it. Twilight that's, Zone. That's a great idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You 43. Can, yeah. 43. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just us tonight. There is no middle schooler, which you could already uh, have noticed because uh, my intro would have been stomped on. And, uh, <laughs> Other various interruptions would have taken place thus far had she been present in the in the studio. She is in the building, just not in the studio. Uh, she's enjoying mac and cheese and relaxation right now, yeah, uh, before bed. So, I mean, I would choose mac and cheese just about over anything. <laughs> I think so. And this is particularly good mac and cheese. She said, "Yeah, yeah. it has bacon in it. Yeah, bacon and caramelized onions. <laughs> yeah, it's very good mac and cheese." I was like. Wow. Are you sure that you don't want to trade dinners? Because I got it at a place yesterday, oh. one of the accounts that we visit. Shout out to Backstage Pub, but uh, yeah, fantastic mac and cheese. And I got something else, you know, for my I was going to say, would you have like a can of tuna or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, mine was also very good oh. too. But, but when I had that mac, I was like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> so yeah, I almost gave her the, uh, the pork belly bites. and uh, oh, That sounds pretty good. Yeah. They were they were very good, yeah. But she wouldn't have eaten those. I don't think. But anyway, yeah, that's she's out there just chilling out. So she's supposed to put herself to bed <laughs> during this segment, I guess. All right, we'll come back in segment two, and yeah. I'll give the update on how that <laughs> fantasy in my mind played out. <laughs> and Jordan was delusional. <laughs> but uh, you know, tonight's whole episode is about the DNA field and the law of resonance creating reality through conscious thought. So I'm really trying to send good vibes there. there you go. I'm envisioning myself, picturing her uh, in her bed. She's yeah. I mean, if we do it together, she's sleeping soundly. I know she's in. She's already there. Yeah. She's already there, sleeping soundly. Humidifiers going. Yes, yes. She's put away all of the dishes. Uh, in the place that I've asked her to, she's brushed her teeth. She's all tucked in. There's some sort of lullaby playing yeah, right. in the background. Yes, this good. is like the opposite of the mind of the middle schooler. <laughs> what a middle schooler would never think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the mind of the middle schooler just goes ah all the time. If I, yeah, that's about all I can. That's remember what I remember. From, yeah. <laughs> seventh grade. <laughs> and if I had a phone to throw it. Because yes. Siri was annoying yes. me, I would have. Yes. Siri, help me figure out seventh grade. <laughs> I'm ask. sorry. I, you're not connected to the internet. <laughs> sorry, it's 1998. You're going to have to ask Jeeves. <laughs> yes. Oh, a little flashback humor there, yeah, Jason. Well right. done. If you had listened to our 
previous episodes, you would know <laughs> you'd be on the floor laughing. Uh, Jeeves, that guy. <laughs> that guy. That guy. That guy, Jeeves. He lost his whole thing. Yeah, exactly. When Just, Google came along, who, he, was, he was probably sitting there thinking, my name is Jeeves, and I'm going to get beat by somebody named Google. This is lame. I'm going to, I'm totally going to. Google win this sounds one. like a pet iguana. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then, lo and behold, now everybody, we all are part of Google, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all like, uh, you know, everybody's email is a Google and you know, everybody has a Google account. All right. Anyway, enough about that. <laughs> We're getting off track a little bit. Uh, it is time for the moon phase update, oh, right. as, as you have come to love uh, as a segment at the beginning of, of Jordan Weeks. All right, so today's moon, uh, this is October the 4th. Hey, isn't this um, our parents' anniversary today? That was yesterday. That was yesterday. Pretty sure. Was it? I think so. Three and four, because our aunt and uncle, our uncle who got remarried, mom's brother, was the other one. So I never remember which is which. Oh, that was the fourth. You know what I did yesterday? Was uh, I looked back at the calendar in 1976. Because you can do that easily oh, on your phone. Oh, right, right. And I was right. like, which Did one? Did you is- ask Siri about that? I don't. Siri, I don't talk what? to Siri. No, we're not friends. <laughs> what that- day of the week was October? 3rd? I've never met her. <laughs> 1976. <laughs> I just used my thumb. <laughs> ah, yes. And uh, you are you are great thumbs, by the way. They're two different sizes. If yeah. anyone wants, maybe yeah, I'll take a picture of that. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, it's like the Swiss Army knife over there of thumbs. <laughs> I got like a, a normal size one and then like a, a smaller, fatter one. <laughs> it's a good thing that's can, not on your scrolling hand. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know what, that's not really on the hand I do anything with. I yeah, guess. yeah. yeah. Um, no, but in 1976, October 3rd was a Sunday. Oh. So I thought it can't be the 4th because that would have been they a Monday. Gotten, they wouldn't have gotten married on a Monday. I wouldn't no. think. Right. Oh, okay. So... Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wish him a happy anniversary in November, and you know, just get the month wrong. You could probably just do it today, and they would think, "Oh yeah, was it today?" <laughs> yeah, Dad still doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it must be today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, happy anniversary, Mom. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Dad listens, but <laughs> Mom, she can get the happy anniversary, and that'll be really late because she's like 13 or 14 episodes behind, I think. All right, anyway, uh, so this is Wednesday, October the 4th, uh, the year 2023, and uh, the moon is in Gemini all day, and there is no void moon period today. It's a waning gibbous, um, and there was, a, there was a full moon just a, a few days ago on the 29th of September. So. Uh, and so, given that the moon is in Gemini all day, we're going to hear a little bit about Gemini, which I think we heard about recently, didn't we? I, th- I feel like maybe... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, uh, here we go. Geminis are those who are born between May 21st and June 20th. And here is the description of Gemini according to Allure magazine. I don't know why it's always Allure magazine. I just Google, speaking of Google, <clears throat> I just Google like the sign, you know? Yeah. And, and Allure must have like a whole article <laughs> like with all it's the like different a- things. Woman's magazine, right? Yeah, I yeah. Like, uh, um, well, I can't think of any of the other ones now. Cosmopolitan, Cosmo, yeah, right. <laughs> L, 
<laughs> is that still? Yeah. Yeah. With two E's and two L's. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Eel. <laughs> Depends Eel. on where you put the two E's. E- yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So it's a. I guess it's a women's magazine. I. But I don't know. I feel like I'm. I'm always been very in touch with my feminine side. Anyway. So. There you go. I'm okay with this. I'm not saying, yeah, men can't read this particular magazine. Probably a lot of men do. <laughs> I'm sure they <laughs> With do. a name like Allure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before we paint ourselves into a corner. Have to put that E on the... Uh... <laughs> Allure. <laughs> uh, all right. This is Gemini, according to Allure. Have you ever been so busy that you wished you could clone yourself just to get everything done? That's the Gemini experience in a nutshell. Appropriately symbolized by the celestial twins, this air sign was interested in so many pursuits that it had to double itself. Because of Gemini's intrinsic duality, they're often falsely misrepresented as two-faced. In reality, however, Gemini rarely has a hidden agenda. Playful and intellectually curious, Gemini is constantly juggling a variety of passions, hobbies, careers, and friend groups. They are the social butterflies of the Zodiac. These quick-witted twins can talk to anyone about anything. Find them buzzing between happy hours, dinner parties, and dance floors. All right, so there you go. That's some Geminis. Um, there's more, but I'm not going to continue on. But, mm. you know, we there are a couple of Geminis uh, in our lives. Uh, our sister mm-hmm. is a Gemini, and Lila, the middle schooler, is also a Gemini. That's right. Yep. And uh, it sounds about right, don't you think? Yeah. Well, it made me think of um, of Gemini Man from Mega Man. <laughs> 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 Who on uh, uh, MegaMan.Fandom.com <laughs> yeah. Yeah. says uh, Gemini Man is a robot master from Mega Man 3, uh, created by Dr. Light and Dr. Wily. Capable of creating holographic copies of himself. Oh. And uses that power to confuse and overwhelm opponents. Nice. Now that, yeah, now that yeah. I think about it, it's like, oh. Yeah. It feels That's like, Gemini. Yeah. It feels like uh, doing homework with Lila. <laughs> she confuses and overwhelms me. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> I will defeat this enemy. Yeah. Known as father. <laughs> Is this a game of Mega Man? <laughs> this feels oddly familiar, but without the fun. <laughs> Well, that's because I'm the one getting hit. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's not me. It's not the little blue guy on the screen. It's me actually getting destroyed by Gemini, Gemini girl. Uh, all right. Before I forget what I'm doing here, <clears throat> I need to go back to the Astrology Cafe website, and you're going to get the uh, the horoscope for today for our Gemini friends out there. So. The moon spends the day in your sign, dear Gemini. And taking the lead or taking charge comes readily. Others are attracted to your naturally confident approach. There may be some scattering of energies today, and it makes sense to check in with yourself to understand whether your impulses are based on real need and not just boredom. Also today, Mercury begins its transit of your solar fifth house, where it will visit until the 22nd. This is a good cycle for self-expression, socializing, and spontaneous conversation or learning. There is an easier flow of communication and a mental focus on pleasure, fun, romance, entertainment, and creativity in the period ahead. You are drawn to, or bringing in, 
people who encourage and make it easy for you to express yourself. Gemini, on this day, that is what your life is like. And it sounds like it'll last for a couple of weeks. I guess so, at least until the 22nd, because, of course, as we all knew, Mercury begins its transit of the solar fifth house of Gemini. Right? You knew that. I learned that a long time ago. <laughs> you woke up, looked out the window, and you're like, yep, <laughs> there it is. Uh, feeling a certain kind of energy. <laughs> Must be in the fifth house of Mercury's light show. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to learn more about what that means. Yeah, um, I, I know we have at least one listener who knows a lot about that stuff, and she's emailed the show a couple of times. She's one of the instructors at the yoga studio. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and yeah, she's emailed on a couple of different occasions for different things, but uh, she knows more about that stuff because she like come up come up in conversation sometimes at the studio. So maybe uh, maybe we'll hear from her on that one. Um, all right, so normally now we would have the mind of the middle schooler, but mm. it's eating mac and cheese right now. <laughs> His mind is full of bacon. <laughs> the mind is carbo-loading right now for tomorrow's <laughs> big day. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, she had a volleyball game today, so she, she did want to say to the audience that she was tired out from her, from her volleyball game. She's been enjoying playing on the team. She comes in and tells me, oh, I'm getting better at this, getting better at that, so... Nice. I think she likes it. So it's good. Um, all right. So, yeah, I guess that's that. Um, so normally after the middle schooler leaves the studio, I'll, I usually ask you how you're doing. So there you go. How you doing? <laughs> I've asked it. <laughs> um, good. I've been uh, uh, assisting, really not helping at all. <laughs> A little uh, project at... Uh, a little stage project. Yes. At uh, the church. Um, yeah. yeah I, kind of learning by watching people do stuff as yeah. I hand them things. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hand me that hammer over there? And you give them the circular saw. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> you wanted a nail gun or a <laughs> screwdriver? Yeah. Which one was it? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, uh, I was surprised. I, I went, I went out there cause I was, I was wanting to talk to the guy that's sort of leading the project. Yeah. Um, cause he had a couple questions for me and I wanted to <laughs> walk around the corner and you're standing there like on a ladder, like doing stuff. I'm like, look at him go. That's good. So <laughs> yeah, I tightened some bolts, you know, the thing, right. It wasn't going to fall over before I tightened them, but right. de- no, it definitely won't. <laughs> Yes. Way to influence your resonance field. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, Very cool thing. It's, it's, you know, it it is interesting. And actually, I guess it will tie in a little bit to what we we talked about um, or what we're going to be talking about on this show. But just where that all came from, you know, was... uh, we raised money to build the pavilion and little park, you know, like playground and it's not mm-hmm. really a park, but it's a, it's a playground pavilion, uh, Adirondack chairs and a fire pit. And it's a nice little outdoor space, you know, for mm-hmm. gathering and whatnot. And so we had gone through a big project to, to do that. It had been something that the church had wanted to do for a long time. And then when we finally got it finished, we had to put in, in order to, 
in order to make the ground flat enough but also stable enough to hold the whole pavilion thing, we ended up having to bring in way more dirt than we originally had been quoted by, you know, whoever said how much dirt you need. (laughs) So because of that, it made this very long slope down, you know, towards the edge of our property. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is like a natural amphitheater, which wasn't like that before. It was just kind of this little, it was like a bowl, you know, but now there's this berm that sticks out and, you know, leads down to a flat spot. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's just, I said, well, you know, this should be like a little amphitheater. And so we had an event last year and we set up a stage, like just a, um, a, a portable stage down there and. And somebody saw the stage and was like, why don't we just build one? And we don't have to put a portable one up. I was like, all right, let's do it. So it just happened. you know. But it's like visioning something mm-hmm. turns into something real, which is kind of cool. Yeah. You know? But you don't always, I mean, it's like you do it every day in, in simple ways. You know, you envision what you're going to, you know, like if you're going to make a meal, you think, all right, well, I'm going to make this. And you, it happens. You know, but then in bigger ways, it's neat to see it play out in that right. way, I guess. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad you're able to do that and help out with that stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, still waiting on my uh, paperwork right. from the state. So, do you have any idea how long that's going to be? Or <laughs> just. It's been about four weeks now. So, it could be another four weeks. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you never know. Uh, hopefully not. But. Yeah. Um, I searched for my name today and it said, no, uh, no record <laughs> shows up. <laughs> like, okay. All right. Well, if it, if it keeps going that direction, you're going to have to get really good at like macaroni, uh, arts and crafts <laughs> for Christmas gifts. Oh, <laughs> like start an Etsy page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, you know, you could buy something you'd be like, oh, look, I made you this really nice snowman out of the macaroni <laughs> and Elmer's glue. On some construction paper. <laughs> all right. We'll all hang it on. Everybody that you give Christmas gifts to, we'll all have them hanging in their houses on their fridges and everything. Yeah. It'd be great. Uh, everyone would have to, like, try to figure out what he actually made. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Did he say that was a snowman? Yeah. <laughs> and if you put them all together, they, like, spell something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's art that. I'm just doing, like, yeah, like, secret codes. <laughs> Christmas yes. codes. Yes. Economical Christmas gifts. I'm trying to. All right. It's always good. Got a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good. Um, all right. Well, we don't have any listener communications this week. Well, we did uh, have a email. couple. On oh, the... do we have something on the. Oh, I was just saying email. We didn't have any emails. All right. Yeah. But um, but we you've got something else on, on the socials. We had a little uh, clarification of like stuff we said. Oh, nice. <laughs> Um, well, uh, we didn't really, really remember that we tried to make Mentos into, um, the, the, we were debating the singular of Mentos, Mentos, Mentos. I guess. Oh, okay. And we decided upon Mon- Mentois or <laughs> Montois. Or, <laughs> so that's what Derek reminded us of that. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and that's why he mentioned mento salad. Is that well? We had mentioned that too. And then <laughs> we I said, talking, him, like, "I forgot mento salad." I thought he came up with that. Um, I I think we did. 
And I said, I think both of our minds are trying to forget that we ever talked about this. <laughs> That's what I said back to him. This was like, we, right. neither of us would remember right. Right. <laughs> we were talking about Mento salad. Um, but there's evidence that we were. Nice. We're going to have to go back and listen to that uh, clip. I think we were just trying to block it out. Yeah. Um, and then, well, we uh, talked about so many different kinds of salad. It's hard to remember them all. Right. We were really um, expanding people's uh, yeah. idea of salad. Salad, salad vocabulary. <laughs> in case there's like a specific like salad SAT exam. Yeah. Um, well, salad to is school, to know your salad tree as house is to uh, if if the salad leaves Austin, Texas <laughs> at 2:40 p.m. <laughs> going to a graduation party and the mentos are shipped from the factory at 3:15 <laughs> In Canada, um, the other the other one was uh, so I posted those pictures of Grandma. Oh yeah, Instagram and stuff. Yeah, and uh, Instagram, Instagram. <laughs> Instagram oh my here. gosh! Oh uh, wow! She should have. You should have done those. She is Instagram now because she's on Instagram. Yeah, I saw her the next day because we uh, did it on Tuesday, and then mm-hmm. we saw her on Wednesday. Right, um, and I I told her. Uh, Graham, I put you all over Facebook and and Instagram, and like her face is like, "What did you do? <laughs> How'd my hair look?" <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but somebody, uh, uh, one of our uh, listeners and emailers, just said, uh, "A queen." Ah, yes. <laughs> to one of the pictures of Grandma, so she is a queen. Royalty. So we had had some interaction with both the salad talk, which seems to be a continuous subject. Yeah. How many weeks in a row can we generate some sort of... (laughs) Salad content? Some sort of content from salad. (laughs) And they said content creation is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So easy. You just get a microphone and talk about salad. (laughs) And all of a sudden, your Instagram lights up. Cool. Now we just have to get people to send us uh, send us salad, and then, you know, we'll be all good. I do like that Instagram though. I'm I'm because I think I can make another. Yeah, I only have like the two Instagrams yeah. right now. Yeah, she's the Instagramma. I'll just post yeah. pictures of her. <laughs> see what people say. Yeah, she's on. She is the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> she was with taking pictures. Remember that? Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Insta. yeah, yeah. Right before Insta. you even like you know how like uh, you, you get the group together and then everybody invariably says no you got to squeeze in a little bit yep. you know before you could even get to that stage it's like the camera's half crooked and boom it's done it's yep. all set it's like gotcha she's wanted it very real <laughs> we're all looking at each other like <laughs> nobody's smiling ah <laughs> uh, my family <laughs> yeah they never smile anyway <laughs> you gave her uh okay. Well, that's great. If you would like to participate with the Music of the Spheres podcast uh, via any of the listener communication avenues, you can do so just by finding us on uh, the Instagram and uh, Facebook. And you can send us an email. It's brothers at musicofthespherespodcast.com. So shoot an email there. We'll read your email on the show. Uh, Or, yeah, you can just get on the show by talking about salad on instagram <laughs> that's also a good way to do it <laughs> we're very uh free form yeah with, the, with yeah. the content here so 
Yeah, yeah. Whatever content you would like to help us make, you're welcome to it. <laughs> Double sided tape. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever, whatever pops in your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just has to relate back to salad somehow. <laughs> That's all. Uh, all right. Speaking of salad, let's have some beer. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, let me see. I got. My mic's in I'm a pretty little sure. different spot today. So yeah, you, I might you trip make, over are you going to make it okay? You already lost your phone once here. I just had to move it back. Okay. All right. I'm pretty sure that we haven't done this beer yet. We've done some beer from this brewery, and I think this was the last one that I wanted to do from them, but I, I couldn't find it. So I'm hopeful that this is not a repeat. Um, but then there was... Uh, I just had to I had to get it and then I was on the run so I had to store it to keep it cold. And this is not the kind of stuff you want to be seen walking around with, you know. Um, <laughs> especially uh, in your line of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's not yeah, you shouldn't be toting this stuff around church, but anyway. Oh, I mean I meant as a brewer, but <laughs> Oh, yeah, both. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know exactly what you meant. But. Yes, both. Maybe both yeah. Yes, both as a pastor and a brewer, you don't want to be seen with this. <laughs> <laughs> and yet here I am broadcasting it to the internet. <laughs> well, it's audio, so we haven't done this, right? This is I don't think so. I don't think so. I, we I feel like we remembered. remembered this, right? Yeah. All right. So it is from our from our friends at Molson, um, and uh, we've done a handful. We did the Molson Golden, right? We did Molson Ice, I believe, right? Yep. Um, do we do anything else of of theirs? I think those are the two. Yeah. So yeah. so this is uh, Molson Triple X, super premium beer. Uh, yeah. It's seven point three percent alcohol by volume, which is a lot for a yellow beer. That's like yeah. really a lot. Uh, Would it be a yellow beer? <clears throat> I mean, is it yellow? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a yellow beer, which is why it's uh, yeah. Brewed and packaged under the supervision of Molson Coors, uh, Canada, Toronto, Canada, by Molson USA. Yeah, the pride of the Blue Jays. Oh, we're not talking about the Blue Jays. <laughs> I thought we were drinking this in honor of them. That's why I need a 7.3%. Well, ADD. the three X's is a strikeout, I think. Yes, yes, that would be what their offense did. <laughs> three X's every time. Oh, man. It's frustrating because I didn't really have a chance to even watch any of the postseason games, you know, right. like they're on they're on ESPN, which I have because I had to get like the Disney bundle for Lila or whatever right. here. But at like two, yeah, they're in the afternoon. Yeah, right. So she gets home yesterday. We both get home, and it's like homework time, you know. And I, and I had the game on. I was watching it until about the sixth inning, and uh, but then it's like I can't I can't get through homework with a ball game on, you know. And mm-hmm. it's like I had to turn it off. So she could get through her homework. And then today I was working while it was happening. So I'm like, I'm getting text messages from Heath, you know, telling me what's happening. I'm like, <laughs> He's supportive, you know, because his team stunk this year too. But right, yeah. I guess if your team doesn't even make it's the playoffs, just so you can't frustrating. I mean, down. they get into the playoffs every, like almost every year recently. They've yeah. been in the playoffs, had a really good team, you know, and then they just shut down when they get into the playoffs. I don't understand why. Well, at least they're like somewhat relevant. That is true. I feel like we're missing the window on some of these young players, though, that we have. No. Well, when one window shuts, another <laughs> another 
I don't Another know. bathroom vent opens. <laughs> <laughs> the shower, the shower vent opens. <laughs> yes, that's where we're, we need the shower vent now. So anyway, all right. So we're just gonna have some Canadian beer uh, from Toronto uh, to celebrate that. It's a seven point three ABV yellow beer from Molson in a black uh, label with three. X's on it. It's so awesome. Is super it. premium like a type of beer? Is that just what they're calling it? It's like uh, Margaritaville's Island style oh, lager. Right. Island right. style. <laughs> the uh, Land Shark lager. Right. Yeah. It's just, you say it, what you want to say. Right. You know? All right. So let's see if it's really as yellow. Twist mm-hmm. off caps. Oh. Look at that. Yeah. 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 It's not golden even, hue, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a little darker than some of the yellow stuff, which I, I would have to be for being seven point three. I mean, Oof, it smells just mostly like alcohol. But this is in an ice. We already had the ice. Yeah, so it's not ice. So I have to look up like if they just brewing this to a higher ABV or what. I don't, I don't really know. But. It's very effervescent. Yeah, and actually, look at that. It's holding on to its foam. A little bit. See that? A lot of these beers, they just rip it just through disappears, it. It just disappears, yeah. Is that the technical term? Rip through it? <laughs> no, I mean, well, it, it pops up and then it's gone, you know? Right. It's like, so yeah, it kind of goes away fast, but. Um, huh. Yeah. Okay. So it's, uh, this is from, from Molson. It says, Ooh. brewed to be our strongest tasting lager using extra malt and hops in the brew house and fermented to give a smooth, slightly sweet, well-balanced beer at 7.3% alcohol. Hmm. Um, yeah. It is... Uh, it packs a punch. Can you... Yeah. Can More you? than the others that we've had, obviously, because it's trying to do something different. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm impressed by how well it's holding on to the head. It's like... It's still a little layer of foam on the top. Yeah. It's like when you see that little picture of, uh, you know, clip art beer. It's like, oh. Ooh, yeah. It just goes like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the alcohol is like right there. Yep. Yeah, it hits that like, almost that like sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Well, it gets, I mean, I think it, you're, like it actually is like off-gassing some of the volatile alcohol into my head right yeah my brain yeah it hits the palate in your top (laughs) of your mouth and (laughs) up it goes the main lines very quickly but no look it's lacing it is lacing yeah so that's gotta be i don't know if we've had one that has laced yeah it's very um it's very not subtle at all oh no it's like I mean, I've had 7.3% beers that are way, like, you can't tell. Right. Like, our District 6 IPA mm-hmm. is 6.8. You know, our porter is 7%. So this is only 0.3 more than our, like, we call it Lock 9 porter. Right. And that doesn't take, you don't taste any alcohol in that, hardly. Right. So this is uh, lacking nuance. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's very much, which, Yeah. Put those three X's right on there. You know what you're getting. Yeah. You know, it's triple X. Like, yep. boom. Um, and, and it takes out, a, knocks out a lot of the other flavor components. Mm-hmm. I haven't had, I don't think I've had very many beers that have this much alcohol presence in them that aren't like 
you know, 10 or 12% like barley wines or. Right. Because those, those, but even those have like that, like that warming effect that you get from like, um, you know, like a whiskey or a, a rum or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, we make tiny tartan, which oh, yeah. is the Scottish wee heavy style. Right. And that comes out like 10, 10%. Wee heavy. Yeah. And it's, but it doesn't, it, it's just got the warming kind of thing, you know, like sipping, sipping a whiskey or something. Not so much the like, which is just like, um, like almost a medicinal quality mm-hmm. to it, you know? Like when you have to take the take the medicine when you're a kid and you don't want uh-huh. to and just like you go <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, not that I would want to, but I mean like having it side by side with the ice, because it seems like it's kind of like the same idea. Yeah, the flavor of the ice was at this level of intensity, just not with the the alcohol bite. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, this is gonna be a great episode. If I stick to my normal rule of consuming the show beer during the rest of the show. Yeah, you better talk fast. (laughs) Or drink slow. Or drink slow. (laughs) Or maybe a good combination of the two will help get us through. I have like two pages of notes, too, that I, you know, really want to try to get through. So I may, might be, uh, oh, stretch this into two episodes. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see if your season lasts longer than the Blue Jays. (laughs) Yes, they had two pages of notes as well. It was, I, don't know. I don't even know what that <laughs> Make means. Make the postseason lose in the first round. Yes, yes. That's, <laughs> their, one, that's the playbook. Two. That's the playbook. And because they're such a low seed, they don't ever get a home game. <laughs> it's like, you can't even lose in front of your home crowd, you know? Yeah. I mean, I hear Toronto is beautiful in October, so. Yeah. Who would want to go watch the Blue Jays? Yeah. I also, it, it's, um, it's like... The time of year for the wet hop, is that true as well? Is there like a specific time of year where people would make that kind of beer? Because it's like harvest time or something? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically, yeah. To use a wet hop is to use a, a hop that has not been kiln dried. And uh, so it won't last, you know, more than a couple of weeks. Or once it's harvested, if you don't... Right if you don't kill it. So to use wet hop, yeah, you have to. Um, yeah, you have to use it this time of year. So, hmm. so yeah. I, I don't know how many breweries are still doing that, though. You know what I mean? I, there was one around here that's having, like, a wet hop thing. I oh. can't remember. I was on the social medias there? I think it was on the radio. The old-fashioned. Really? Uh, yeah. R-A-D-I-O. <laughs> <laughs> like, like with antenna radio. Like in the car, yeah, you have to hit the seek <laughs> button. <laughs> have your, you know, radio. Wow. So choose, not even, not even your just destiny. like internet radio. It was an iHeart radio. No, well, I probably can't I, say that on here, can I? I H E R T radio. H E R T H E R T. I heart radio. Yeah. <laughs> They'll never know what we're talking about. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> They're already trying to sign us up for a syndication <laughs> deal, I think. Yep. Yeah. They can't wait to have this on part of their <laughs> network. <laughs> They're like, yeah. uh, it's such a, such a wonderful, uh, profound exposition of salads. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how the executives at iHeartRadio talk, uh, clearly. Uh, all right, so Molson Triple X. 
It is a very obtuse beer. I don't think it's bad. I just think it's like in this weird space between uh, beer and liquor. It's filling the the super premium beer void. Yeah, that existed before. Well, it's. It did say somewhere that it's a malt liquor style beer. Yeah, Molson Triple X is a seven point three percent American malt liquor beverage. I was trying to find like maybe I'll find it in the break. I was trying to find like what what Molson says about it, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they say about maybe their they own beer. Are trying not to say much at all. <laughs> like, yeah, we we don't actually make that. <laughs> uh, no, that's Bud. Bud, <laughs> you heard of him? We'll just take uh, the profits. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see if I can find this. Wow. They got a lot of brands they make. So you like covered it up in a bag when you walked out of the store. So you like yeah. ran to your car. Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't Molson Golden. It was Molson Canadian. That's what we had. Molson Canadian. Oh. Um, Molson Export Ale? We got to have that. <clears throat> I don't know where to find all this. Molson Dry Lager. That sounds good. Yeah. Molson Canadian Cold Shots Lager. Molson Stock Ale. Awesome. Stock Ale. Wow. Yeah, I don't know, man. It doesn't didn't show up on their list. <laughs> Molson Triple X is not on this <laughs> list. <laughs> Did they make this beer like five years ago and they're just trying to get rid yeah, of it? Yeah, it just it's out of <laughs> Oh man, we have a collector's item. We're drinking a collector's <laughs> item right now. <laughs> I just searched the Molson Coors website with XXX and uh, said results zero. <laughs> Your search yielded no results. Did you type in Molson Super Premium Beer? No, I didn't do that yet. Into uh, ask.com. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Um, nope. <laughs> no? No, nothing. I don't know. Maybe it's, it doesn't exist anymore. Wow. All right. Well, anyway, I'm going to drink about three of these, and we're going to come back for the second segment. <laughs> See how that goes. <laughs> Speed this like the sounds of someone snoring. Yes. Yes. <laughs> how come he's asleep on the podcast? <laughs> so. We'll switch it to sounds of the rainforest or something. <laughs> I could be doing a lot of post-production on this episode. Okay. Um, I guess that's it for uh, segment one. Unless you can think of anything else you want to talk about, Jason. Uh, Good? There's two more segments, I'm sure. We'll, <laughs> we'll get a bunch more in. I'm sure we'll find a way to offend somebody. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be right back. Segment number two here on episode number 43 of the Music of the Spheres podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.
Music of the Spheres podcast. We are in segment number two now on episode number 43, and we're continuing the uh, study of the book by Pierre Franck called The DNA Field and the Law of Resonance, Creating Reality Through Conscious Thought. I've been at this uh, for a few episodes now. Uh, the book kind of was broken into two parts, his sort of basic... Uh, theories and sort of the scientific studies that he quotes to lead him into a lot of these theories. And then we've been jumping into some of the practical applications. Uh, so you might, you might call this book a, one of those uh, new age self-help books, but uh, hey, that's what the show's for, exploring fun stuff. So trying out something a little, a little different here. Uh, so tonight we're going to continue our look through some of the different ways that he is applying the underlying theory of the DNA field and the law of resonance uh, to how you can actually make it work in your life. Uh, so, All right. So we're going to hear some stories about some things, some exercises that can be done. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to finish on everybody's favorite topic, uh, true love. So, oh. Yeah. I think it's love. <laughs> True love. True <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Just that miscarriage. I'm getting all choked up. Yeah. Clearly. Thank you, Jason. It's what brings us together today. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't have enough Molson Triple X to get us through this episode. Uh, all right. Um, so I'm going to hit a few different topics uh, tonight as. as Pierre Franck is kind of outlining some of these ideas, uh, and we'll just kind of keep going through it. There's some actually some really great quotes in this section of the book um, that he takes from other people, like you know Buddha. Um, oh, yeah, you know, he went with and, the big guns. Yeah, it's a little you know a little on the nose for me. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got a new phone yesterday, and Lila's like, "Can I help you pick out a cell phone case for it?" And I'm like. Okay, yeah, maybe, because... <laughs> We're not going to agree 100%. <laughs> but she came in with one tonight. She's like, she had looked them up online, and she was scrolling through them, like, Dad, you'd like this one. And it was like, uh, you know, a person sitting in a, uh, like, a meditative posture with all the chakras, you know? Oh, yeah. And then I was like, yeah, I would like that one. That's pretty good. It's got chakras on there. It's good. I'll keep my chakras on my phone. <laughs> So you went with that, or are you leaving us in suspense? Uh, it's like a cliffhanger for yeah, cliffhanger, total cliffhanger. Next episode, yeah, yeah. What cell phone case did Jordan purchase? Yes, Mento salad. <laughs> it's the answer to every question. <laughs> <laughs> a picture of Mento salad. <laughs> I want somebody to make a Mento salad and then take a picture of it and send it to the show and put it on the Instagram. <laughs> Maybe we can get Instagram to do, make. Maybe one. Instagram can make us. <laughs> Mento salad. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be great. Okay. So, uh, anyway, he talks about, this Pierre Franck, talks about one of the, one of the ways to go about this is to uh, actually create an image of that which you desire, that which you wish for, right? So, remember, this whole idea is about creating your own reality. Mm-hmm. Basically, the underlying idea, if you haven't listened to some of the other episodes in this, in this series, basically the underlying idea is that 
we have far more control over our reality than often we think we do uh, based on how our particular core worldviews can impact our emotions and our heart center and then how our heart center can actually create an energetic influence in the world around us that has real impact to how our reality is then shaped. That's kind of the underlying theme that he goes and outlines in the beginning of the book. So listen to the first couple of episodes in this series if you want to hear more about that. But now what he's doing is saying, all right, well, how do you do this stuff? And you know, how do you actually create your reality the way that you want it to be? How do you craft your own reality, your own future? You try to you know, achieve that which you want in your life. Uh, and so in order to do that, he says you, you should build an actual image, use imagery that displays your wishes, your, your desires, your hopes, your mm-hmm. dreams, whatever they are, right? Um, but I, I noted this one part before he really got into that because it sounded like some of the stuff that he was talking about before, which also seems to be thematic. He says, uh, coming into resonance can and should happen playfully with ease. Resonance comes exactly when we are completely relaxed about our wishes. The more easily we can cultivate this state of relaxation, the better we will be able to succeed. So again, that whole idea of um, playfulness, uh, relaxation, and ease, right? We've heard that before, like taking a joyful, like fun approach to this stuff Mm -hmm. actually makes a difference because it gets you in a space where your whole system is, I guess, more fluid and able to put out the kind of energies that you want to exude into the world around you. So, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool to start there. But then he said, you know, one way to do this is to make what's called a wish collage, a successful wish collage. Um, And actually, I remember hearing about something similar to this uh, at the yoga studio. One of the instructors was hosting a, a vision board Mm-hmm. Uh, saying, and I don't know if you are you familiar with that. If I say a little bit vision yeah. board, right? Yep. You know, and 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 uh, I didn't go to it, but I heard a little bit about it, and it essentially was um, that you know you had all this kinds of you know you had magazines and newspapers and pictures and stuff like that, and you could kind of cut out things you wanted and you put them on your you know your poster board thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that what you want to bring into your life, right? And so that's kind of what he describes here. Uh, he says, cut out images from magazines or newspapers of everything that you would like to have in your life, whatever it is. All images, drawings, and photos that are connected to your wish are suitable for this. Don't limit yourself. Include everything, even multiple things. Maybe it's a computer, a bicycle, a house, a dress, a car, an apartment in a certain kind of neighborhood, rollerblades, a purse, a boat, a vacation, a dream partner or cash <laughs> or cash <laughs> i love it because this is this is a translation this book is a translation he wrote this in german oh right uh, yeah so yeah. so this is a translation done by not him uh so it's neat to to kind of think about it like did he really mean to say it like exactly like that or is this i mean that's how everybody's list goes when they're trying to buy something for somebody is like all right cash is 
<laughs> that's definitely on the list. Yep, yep. I'll put it down at the bottom, but right. it's gonna be there. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> when I when I run out of all the other ideas, <laughs> yeah. you're just getting cash. Yeah. <laughs> Go get yourself something yeah. real nice. <laughs> Go get yourself some macaroni and some construction paper and some Elmer's glue. <laughs> if all of these things don't work out for me on my vision board, I'll just. Go get some cash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, then you can get all the other things on the list with the cash, you know, except for maybe the dream partner, depending on, you know, what you're what you're looking for right. partnership. What kind, what kind of partnership do you want? I think uh, who said money can't buy me love, though? Yeah. No. The uh, Beatles? I think that was. Yep. I think it was them. Uh, all right, so you know this is the idea, and he goes through the whole process. I'm not going to read the whole. He's got bullet points of how to do this, you know. Um, but then he did uh, talk about his own experience of doing this, and I wanted to read that. Um, Michaela supported and encouraged me to make the kind of collage I describe here with speech bubbles for myself. Some people call this technique mind mapping. I had to write my name in the middle of the picture and around it all of my desired goals and visions. She asked me all the relevant questions to help me find out from the bottom of my heart what I really wanted. I hung this picture close to the corkboard by my writing desk so I could see it every day while I worked or read a book, while I was just thinking or when I was talking on the phone. Sometimes I was completely unaware what I was looking at, and sometimes I focused on it. In less than two years, all of my dreams were achieved, even those that seemed to be far off in the future. Because my successful wish collage was located in a convenient spot, every day I was more or less subconsciously connected with my goals. And so something new got organized within me. Some projects even made me fearful. I did not know if I could do them justice. Today they have become a matter of course for me. So he talked about this idea of his own experience with a kind of like vision board or collage, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Wish collage, I think is what he was calling it. A successful wish collage. So there you go. You could try it and mm-hmm. see how it goes. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that he bases it in this idea of coming to it from a space of, of joy and relaxation and mm-hmm. ease and playfulness. That, you know, it's not something to be too serious about. And in some way, that's the way to become serious about it <laughs> or something like that. Right? An interesting conundrum. Um, so he goes on and talks about how you can, cause really what you're trying to do here is to create resonance fields, uh, where you are resonating at a certain frequency or in a certain way that will draw things that are of a like resonance into your life. That's what mm-hmm. he claims is the law of resonance. We talk about it every time I, I do one of these episodes, it's the, you know, sympathetic vibration or sympathetic resonance where, you know, one thing causes a like thing that oscillates at the same frequency to vibrate, right? So you can do that in life, right? If you're vibrating at the right frequency, you draw things with a like vibration and oscillation into your life. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, so he's talking about this idea that we can then create these resonance fields and that we can actually kind of speed up the process of creating them, accelerate how they're developed. Um, But what happens is uh, it works both ways, 
right? So we can create uh, resonances that are positive and towards the things that we desire and wish for. And then also we can create negative resonances that uh, in essence bring us exactly the opposite of what we think we want, right? Mm -hmm. Or they can get us into a space of feeling uh, limited in achieving whatever our goals are. Um, all right, so there's worries that are usually hidden in inner questions, such as when will it happen? Am I doing something wrong, right? If we start to think about that stuff in the process of doing this mm -hmm. wishing and this you know, resonance generation, then you're going to essentially enhance your limitations. It's important to note that these kinds of thoughts and feelings are really nothing other than the creative process at work, albeit negatively. We can achieve and manifest our limitations as well as our wishes. We can bring undesired things into our lives. We can create a resonance field of deficiency and draw these things into our life rather than the opposite. As long as you have mental images and feelings of doubt or impatience with the process, you are occupying yourself with the absence of your wishes and sending those thoughts energy. Yeah. And then uh, he's got one of his classic big quotes here that I tell you about, which okay. are actually the larger font quotes, which I really like this. When we occupy ourselves with deficiency, then we generate a resonance field of lacking. When we occupy ourselves with abundance, then we generate a resonance field of wealth. So I think that's why he's kind of making the point of doing this with ease and with joy and with a sense of, of a relaxed state. Because if you're not, if you're doing it with a sense of, of pressure or obligation or urgency or demanding a result at a certain period of time, then you're starting, you're, you're actually focusing the energy on the limiting factors, not on the, the factors that bring about the success or the abundance. Um, so <laughs> it's dark, he's, he gives, a, he goes to a lot of these uh, seminars and conferences and stuff like that. And he'll give talks and he'll do, you know, seminars with people that want to engage in some of these practices in a live setting. Um, so, uh, he talks about a way that, that you can sort of jump yourself out of the negative space and get into a good space. That's kind of what he's saying. Cause then you accelerate mm -hmm. the, you know, the building up of these resonances. Yeah. So he calls this thing the convictions game, which reminds me of the jump to conclusions. Jump to convictions. <laughs> and he does a set of seminars, and uh, it's pretty cool. So uh, we describe our wish and visualize to others in the group by sharing that we already have what we want. So you don't have it in reality, but mm. you talk to the people in your group like you do. Right. You know, and you tell all the stories about, you know, what you what you've got and how much you like it and how how happy you are with that whatever it might be whether it's mm -hmm. a, a, you know something material or something relational or something emotional right it's you just talk about it like it's already there you you are using your uh, best best ability to try to fool yourself so um, he says thus we not only convince others of the feasibility of our wish we are convincing ourselves because like using that language, you're actually convincing yourself. And I, I wrote a note on the side of the book, fake it till you make it. 
right? <laughs> it's like, right. it's such a classic thing, you know, uh, this idea of just, yeah. you know, fake it till you make it. Uh, and I, I actually said that to one of my guitar students tonight. You know, she's playing her, and she would, she, she's working on improvisation. Okay. And so she would get upset when she plays a wrong note, you know? And I said, well, just take the wrong note and keep going, you know? on that you know trajectory mm-hmm. that the wrong note was on and like eventually it's going to come out okay right. right now maybe it's not what you wanted but if you make it sound like that's what you were trying to do right then it's going to sound okay to people the will just think you know way more about right. music than they do right right yeah <laughs> most of the time is like, yeah right oh wow that was a really really blue note <laughs> you just played there you know like, he's smarter about music than i wow. am <laughs> i would have never thought about that yeah. note. and meanwhile you just put your finger on the wrong fret and right. you're like oh i screwed this up you know but 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 really it is it's, it's fake it till you make it because it how you then frame that scenario is really then how it's perceived mm-hmm. you know not only by others but by yourself Happened so many times, you know, in improvisation. And mm-hmm. you just, you know, this one's a clunker, but you kind of slide it around into this spot and it works okay with some yeah. stuff that you put <laughs> after it, you know? They uh, they recorded the, uh, like, high school play, um, like, one of the four performances. Yeah. And they wouldn't, like, record them all and then, like, splice it together to get the best parts. They would just do yeah. one. And, like, I did totally screwed up my lines. Like, <laughs> in this one section, like, it was, like, four mistakes, like, within uh, like two minutes and it was just like i i like just went right through it like i meant to say all those wrong things right right it's like maybe nobody noticed right yeah people noticed but right it was it was just like i'm i'm up here i'm doing it and right probably in the moment people didn't really care right so i think there really is something to the you know the fake it till you make it idea because mm-hmm. you're actually that's kind of what this exercise reminded me of. Just talk about something that you don't have like you have it, you know? Yeah. So the only downside is you could become like George Costanza in uh, in Seinfeld when he <laughs> tells everybody he's an architect, you know? <laughs> and it backfires on him, right? But maybe he just wasn't, he wasn't in a relaxed state, right? <laughs> when he was and then the other time, though, he says he's a marine biologist and he uh, takes the golf ball out of the whale's blow. Oh, that's right. <laughs> See? It worked out. It worked Even in time. Seinfeld. <laughs> See, Seinfeld is proof that this is true. Um, uh, so then he talks about that you can, you know, you can do this in another way. That it's not just, it's not just something that you can do like in a group where you talk about the things that you have. He said, you know, there's a there's an exercise where you can imagine what it would be like to um, to do this. And so he uh, he says, this is where it starts to sound a little kooky, but that's okay. Um. He says, walk around your house or apartment and speak out loud to the people in your imagination and tell them how wonderful it is that your wish was fulfilled. (laughs) Full of persuasive powers, report how wonderful it is, how calming, and how good. In this way, you convince yourself. By doing this exercise, you no longer occupy yourself with deficiency or lack. You imagine a life of satisfaction and connect yourself with abundance. So he said... Essentially, talk to imaginary friends in your apartment while you're alone and talk to them about how how great this wish is. You know, he says you don't even have to do it mm-hmm. in a seminar with other people. Just imagine the people because it's not about telling it to other people. He says you're really just trying to talk to yourself. You're trying yeah. to convince yourself that you are worthy of this. You're capable of this. You know, you're good enough. You're smart enough. And 
doggone it, people like you. And that's what you're trying to convince the world of or convince yourself of, right? Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, he, he kind of outlines more points to that exercise, but essentially that's the essence of it. So you just, you get into that space. Um, <clears throat> so then uh, he closes with another big quote. To be a creator is to play with energies. The more playfully we deal with our wishing, the more successful we will become. So you're playing with energy. You have energy. And we, see, this is, the, this is why I like this book is because so many times we think that we are uh, at the behest of the energies around us, mm-hmm. right? That the energies control us and we just feel them and respond to them in whatever feeble ways we can. But what he's saying is, no, you can control and play with and direct energies in your in your being, in your life, in your reality, in your personal life, in your relationships, all of it. Uh, all right, so now we move on to sound. So there's you, okay. can, use, you can use sound. And of course, being a musician <clears throat> um, and the fact that our show is called Music of the Spheres, I thought this was, this was pretty cool. And it starts off with a quote from Beethoven. Uh, and this is what Beethoven said. Music is a higher revelation than all wisdom and philosophy, which I would tend to agree with. I feel like music is, uh, there's a particular special, specialness to the language that is music mm-hmm. um, that literally resonates with people on different le- levels. And that's what he's going to talk about here. But he, he brings up Pythagoras. We all know Pythagoras. Um, yeah. Did I see somewhere... It must have been on social media again that, like, somebody thought they saw uh, the theorem etched into, like, stone a thousand years before Pythagoras even lived. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I I wouldn't doubt it. It would have been one of those, um, I don't know, like, fake news type things, but I I don't know. Um, Maybe. But it could be something to look into more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, I mean, Pythagoras was really more of a philosopher anyway, you know, and that's when but philosophy and mathematics and mm-hmm. music and arts was all kind of one thing. They weren't different disciplines, you know, it was all the exploration of reality. Right. So, yeah, perhaps it's he never even really intended it to be his own thing. Maybe he just figured it out and passed it along. I don't know. It was also the name of my cat's Instagram page for a while. Because as you know, he only has three legs. Oh, right. So, paw. Yeah. Pythagoras, uh, right? Because A Paul squared Thagoras. plus B squared equals C squared. Nice. He's only got the three legs, right? So, it seemed like the perfect... We almost named him Pythagoras, but it's too much of a <laughs> mouthful. <laughs> nice. This beer is a mouthful. It's, uh... Well, it's got the triple, the triple uh, X thing, too. It's like a... Path- Pythagoras yeah. type of thing going on as well. Yeah. Molson was like, don't say we didn't warn you. Look at the label, idiot. <laughs> what do you think you're going to get? <laughs> We're not going to talk about it online, but... Because <laughs> yeah. we don't it. need to talk about it. The three X's speak for themselves. For itself. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all right, so Pythagoras. Um, Pythagoras taught that notes and music succumb to rhythmic sequences and that these oscillations have a special influence on the health of people and animals listen to this he spoke of spherical music and developed a harmony that describes the changing effects and connection between our world and the heavenly bodies which Mm. i thought was cool because that's the reference of our show name the music of the spheres Mm -hmm. right the the idea of of there actually being resonance in the 
solar system uh, and the early philosophers and mathematicians looking up and, and you know feeling like they could discern these resonances that are generated by the spherical bodies that are in our solar system. So, mm -hmm. Music of the spheres. I thought that was cool that there's a music of the spheres reference here. Uh, so there was, yeah, Pythagoras. Um, then we got Plato. Uh, he said that education in music is most sovereign because more than anything else, rhythm and harmony find their way to the innermost soul and take strongest hold upon it. And, I mean, we know this about music, that it's one of the most uh, deeply touching things in our emotional life. Mm -hmm. You know, aside from actual, you know, communications from people that have true information that impacts us emotionally right you know you get news like good news or bad news but that's when you that's when you have emotional responses mm -hmm. but then think about it in life like where are all your biggest emotional responses coming from most of the time it's connected if even if not directly to music right right the whole idea of like you know film score music and how it you know, paints the picture of what's happening in mm -hmm. an emotional landscape. You know, so you see sort of on the cognitive level and you, you know, you watch the movie or the show or whatever, but the, the music kind of tells your emotional self mm -hmm. what's happening, you know, communicates on that level. So it does communicate yeah. on this deeper heart level, uh, you know, which I find fascinating. And it's um, like I was watching uh, some of the Ryder Cup, which was in, uh, you know, Team Europe versus Team USA yeah. golf. Um, yeah. This was in, they were playing in Rome this year. Uh, and the European fans make, like, they create songs. Mm -hmm. Like, as players are going by, like, by the greens. Like, yeah. somehow these songs appear out of, like, nothing. Yeah. Um, which could be, like, part of, like, the uh, football, like, soccer. Right, right, right. Uh, culture, they do that at, at stadiums yeah. all across Europe as well, which is something like American sports doesn't really have other than like college pep bands and right. things like right. that. Um, yeah. No, we're all too busy singing Cotton Eye Joe. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they try to, yeah, they try to, but we're like, no one's creating like songs out of thin air and like right. feeding it through the entire crowd. So yeah, like yeah. culturally it's kind yeah. of a, a, interesting way to study humans as well yeah music no it is it's, it's fascinating um and so uh hans jenny you ever heard of hans jenny no so he was a no. um he was a uh, scientist who essentially invented this study called cymatics mm -hmm. which is the study of of sound waves and how they impact the natural world okay um and i actually had one of his books i don't think i have it anymore but he took all these pictures of he would place sound waves onto these plates of media, which was it was kind of like particles of sand, you know. Okay. And by you know changing the sound wave, he could actually get the particles of sand to make different shapes, you know, just because they they fall into you know spaces where there's higher resonance and then there's lower resonance, and of course mm -hmm. they you know they would go they would go into the shape where there's lower resonance because they could stay right. there, yeah. right? But he would be able to create different shapes. This was what cymatics was, right? And how sound actually influences things physically. Um, and he discovered that it's not just, you know, 
like waves make ripples on the sand. You know, if you're at the ocean and, you know, the sand underneath the water there has those ripples to it, right? Yeah, that makes sense to us. But it it can actually, this is one of the big quotes, the individual frequency or oscillation of each individual cell can be changed through the quality of sound. So literally like the cells of your body Mm -hmm. can be impacted by uh, sound and music, therefore, right? Um, So he says this, this is Pierre Franck saying this, the more harmonic and pure the music we listen to, the more we step into resonance with beauty and harmony. So then he starts talking about harmony. And this is kind of neat because this is where my study, current study, and your current study overlap. Check this out. This universal act of harmony is derived from overtones. An overtone is one of the higher notes produced simultaneously with the fundamental tone and that which the fundamental comprises a complex musical tone. Uh, so overtones, he talks about, is, is really the, the basis of harmony. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember last week, the whole idea of uh, the way that different organisms like mm-hmm. mushrooms or fungus and bacteria work together and live together is like in this relationship of harmony. Right. right? And then we talked about polyphonic singing. We listened to that uh, YouTube video of that woman doing... Uh, polyphonic singing where she's able to sing a fundamental tone and then highlight the different overtones to create different kinds of melodies. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's saying that this, this idea of, of harmonic resonance where overtones are generated. And that's what, that's what makes, you know, music sound harmonious is that all of the notes being played are connected to, through these overtones, right. They're connected to the fundamental pitch. They might be loosely connected, which mm-hmm. makes harmony thicker sounding, right? But it's it's still all harmonically related, right. right? And so this stuff is all sort of tying in together this idea of harmonic resonance, you know, with, with overtones that, that work well in a harmonic relationship with the fundamentals actually set our physical bodies up to be in a better place of resonating the kinds of fields that we want Hmm. in order to achieve the things we want to achieve. So music, you know, right. Can actually be a way by which you can control your own reality, (laughs) which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. Uh, one question. Um, so where would like something like dissonance fit in? How does it fit into like the harmonic, resonance um and sort of uh uh like truths of harmony and music um right i mean it's it's also something that's that's planned right and yeah is correct musically yeah (laughs) right but um it kind of has a different vibe Right. Well, the, the way that I think about that, because I do like, I really like dissonance, you know, right. and, I, and I like when you have thick harmonies. But w- I think what's happening there is you're telling another story, right? Because music is a language. Mm-hmm. And so you have your fen- fundamental pitch or your tonal center, your tonic, right? Right. And then from that, you have the pitches that most closely relate to it. All right. So if you have your, your, tonal center your tonic Mm -hmm. the most closely related pitch harmonically is the octave right the next pitch up yeah and then the next one after that is the fifth 
above it, which is why it's called the dominant, you know, because it's the most it's the most closely related. This is going back to the matrix of creation um, when we were talking about right. the ratios, right? Yeah. Of the way that the sound waves go, you know, just the smaller ratios are more harmonic. Hmm. But what I think dissonance is is dissonance is when you're trying to tell a story of something be, being connected but far away. Dissonance, mm-hmm. you know, and distant are linked, you know, in in their roots of their word. Yeah, for a reason. I think you're you're showing something that's connected, it's related, but it's farther away. You know, so like a the major seventh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or in an altered dominant seventh chord, you have like a flat nine, you know, or a uh, or a, a sharp nine. Even some of those are very distantly related to the fundamental, right? right? But they're still related, right? Yeah. So I think that's what dissonance is. Dissonance tells that story because we experience that as human beings. You know, of being connected to someone yeah. or something that's right. distant, right? So it's telling the story of distance, not the story of closeness. And that's why music is the ultimate language, because you can, you can tell those stories in a way that, that people can actually experience in an emotional place that they wouldn't even be able to put into words. Um, so uh, he says, um, he starts talking about ways to actually bring yourself into resonance and one of the ways that he said was with a singing bowl right? no way yeah because the singing bowl has a fundamental i don't know if this is going to show up on here but so that ring that you hear that's the actual fundamental of the singing bowl right but as we as we start to play the singing bowl you start to hear some of the other overtones coming out So you hear that other pitch that was there that was not a part of the fundamental tone, right? That was somewhere related to that that fifth, right? So it, he says what happens is when you start to listen to sounds like that, it actually aligns your energies, right? Because you're now going to resonate with that in a similar way. And it mm-hmm. kind of reminds you of the harmonic resonance of the universe that you are connected with. You're, you're a part of it. The reason that that makes sense and happens in the physical world is because that's how this world is created. And so in listening to things like that, you you understand your place essentially in the creation. Right. Yeah, which is really cool. So he says this, what for many might seem like a wonder is nothing other than endowing, endowing yourself to be in resonance with the holy order and the universal harmony. He says that's what it means to listen to music that is harmonious. <laughs> you are... Hmm. Uh, endowing yourself to be in resonance with the holy order and with universal harmony. Another one of his quotes, there is nothing more profound and nothing can move us as effectively as being connected with healing sounds. So he also talks about tuning forks in there. I don't know if you've ever seen that kind of therapeutic stuff where people actually use tuning forks and touch them to different parts of the body, right? Uh To bring, you know, things into resonance, right. right? So, but like why wind chimes are often given in like remembrance of somebody. Oh yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. not only do you have like that sort of spirit, yeah. uh, sense of things as the wind blows through the chimes, but yeah. then also the, 
the different tones kind of yeah i don't know remind you of that person or right um, put you on a some sort of uh you know different resonance field yeah i think know, it i to think connect with them i think it's really like quite simple it's really just what you hear in those kinds of consonant resonances is just a truth about the physical world physical and emotional spiritual like all one world that we live in mm-hmm. i think it's just it just represents that it's just like a very plain like wind chimes yes it just reminds the body on a visceral level that you can't even explain in words, you know, what it is and, right. and how it works. You know, it's like, it's like actually retuning you. Yeah. You know, like retuning the body. And so in doing that, it gets you into a place where you can think about eternal thoughts like, okay, all right, I miss that person. They're gone. But I have a bigger vision of what the cosmos are. So I'm not sad that they're you know, that I'll never see them again or I won't have another experience of them. You know, mm-hmm. it connects you into eternality, I guess. Uh, all right, so the next one is um, giving yourself the gift of recognition. Uh, here's the quote from Buddha. All that we are is the result of what we have thought. It is founded on our thoughts. It is made up of our thoughts. If a man speaks or acts with an evil thought, pain follows him as the wheel follows the foot of the ox that draws the carriage. <laughs> Essentially, you know, thinking evil things, you know, makes mm-hmm. you be an ox that drags evil behind you, <laughs> uh, according to Buddha. <laughs> so, uh, so he asks a question here, Pierre Franck. What's the best and fastest way to raise your oscillation and create an optimal resonance field? He says, praise yourself. <laughs> so maybe, maybe this will sound familiar to some of the stuff that you've done, some of the work that you've uh, uh, been involved in. Uh, but there's this idea of uh, just in society and culture that, that we live in that, that speaking highly of oneself mm-hmm. is negative. Right. It's bad to talk about <laughs> how good you are. Right. Yeah. Uh, because you become, um, well, he gives all these, <laughs> these, these like old school sayings that people use. Praise in one's own mouth is offensive. Self praise is half slander. One should not praise the day before the evening. When the mouse is doing too well, it draws in the cat. <laughs> I never heard that one. Yeah. Or the one before it. <laughs> Not too up on my. I don't, yes, your old your old adages <laughs> from Germany. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're translations. I think, they're, yeah. I think it's probably some. German I know stuff. some idioms, that's for sure. But <laughs> these might be yeah, these might be old German idioms. <laughs> so, so it makes us sound like idiots. <laughs> well, a lot does. <laughs> Just having a podcast where we speak <laughs> to microphones. <laughs> yes, but this is the opposite of what we should be doing. Oh, right, praising ourselves. Yes. yes. You are all so fortunate to be listening to our voices right now. <laughs> so much more comfortable with the self-deprecation. <laughs> well, as like a simple example of that is um, people, you know, someone says, thank you. Uh, people don't even say you're welcome anymore. Like that almost sounds too like, oh, yeah, you're 
Yeah. You're welcome for you me being, so welcome being in your that. presence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like people say like, oh, no worries. Or yeah. like, oh, of course. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, no problem. No, no like, big deal. Yeah. Nothing. It's all negative. No this, no problem, no uh-huh. worries, no big deal. <laughs> right. It's all spoken when really we should say you're welcome. You, you are welcome. They're acknowledging yeah. something yeah. that was helpful yeah, about like, you. Yeah. You'd be like, I, I just crushed that for you. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you be without me? <laughs> so yeah, listeners, count all the times you could say you're welcome. Yeah. And, the yeah. T- and how many times you didn't. Yep. And tell us about it. And so because of this, here's one of his big quotes. We have perfected the self-critical view, which is what we're talking about as you spew your triple X all over your microphone. <laughs> it's um, not a pony. <laughs> it's not a pony. That's right. That ended up on the carpet, not yeah. the microphone. Um, we have perfected the self-critical view, and we rarely believe others when they praise us. That is why we cannot be proud of ourselves. So he talks about this, this seminar that he did um, that he was leading on self-praise. Uh, and uh, he, he just talks about, uh, he would sit people down in groups of four and you set aside a, a time limit and said, all right, person number one in the group, you have to just tell everybody in the group all the good things about yourself. Go. Mm-hmm. You know? And he said invariably, like the first like minute, it was silent you know, in the room, all these different groups of people sitting, you know, right. they, nobody wants to say anything good about themselves, you know, right. but it's like, they're at the seminar, they paid the money, you know, they're going to try to do it. Right. So, <laughs> um, so eventually they start and he says, as soon as it happens, you know, they loosen up and then mm-hmm. that gives the permission of the other people to do the same. Right. That's and, what I was thinking. Yeah. Right. And so once they, you know, get their turn now, they're ready to go, you mm-hmm. know, and, and he says it builds, Right. And all this, and it becomes like a euphoric sense in right. the room of all these people realizing how beautiful they are, right? And realizing mm-hmm. the gifts that they have and realizing the accomplishments that they've made, right? And it, it's, it becomes a beautiful Right. And because scene. of the environment set up, the stigma about worrying that others think you're braggadocious or yeah. whatever is gone. Right, right. Which is... Yeah, one of the things that holds us back from doing that. Right. In the first the seminar lead, leader told me to say these things. You know, <laughs> right. yeah. I'm not just being a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he asked this great question, and I really, I underlined this. I really like this. He says, "Where does this euphoria come from?" He's talking about the euphoric feeling in the room. He says, "Where does this come from?" He says, "Very simply, it is within us. It has always been there. We have only forgotten it. We have kept it secret from ourselves. We have consciously suppressed it. Whether it's something that society has told us to do, right?" Mm-hmm. But we've pushed it down. Um, so he said, there's another exercise. And you can kind of guess what it is. Right? On a piece of paper or in a journal, write down everything about yourself you're proud of. Right? And then he goes on. There's more things. But it's it essentially just taking a minute to be like, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm pretty good. <laughs> and here's the things <laughs> yeah, that, I'm, right. that I'm good at. You know, uh-huh. here, are the, here are the things that I've achieved. Here are the things that, you know, yeah. Um, but he says that this doesn't just stop with ourselves, right? That there's a, a larger effect here. Uh, and he talks about how this creates uh, us being able to see the good in others and therefore ourselves. Is, and it's like this cycle that amplifies this sort of feedback loop. Mm-hmm. When you start thinking, okay, I'm good. And he's, can you see the good in somebody else? And then, you know then you notice that and it resonates with your goodness again and it amplifies the whole thing. 
Um, it is because we cannot see the positive qualities in others that do not also resonate in ourselves. In the same moment in which we want to discover the positive characteristics of other people and focus on them, we also find these characteristics energetically expressing themselves in ourselves. We recall them. When we praise others, we bring ourselves into the same oscillation level of the praise we extend to others. So we praise others, and then we get into that good space, mm -hmm. right? And then it just invites the whole thing to happen. So okay. he says you don't have to be in a seminar right. to invite somebody and to make them feel okay about doing that. Yeah, you know, praising them can get the whole thing kind of started. Right. Yeah. I mean, we worked at a place that did uh, kudos. Right. Saw that. Yeah. The kudos jar, and then uh, and then in group during internship, mm -hmm. um, multiple times I would kind of do an activity sort of similar where encouraging them to uh, either speak or write things about the gifts of their peers, mm -hmm. uh, allowing not only like that communal expression, but then the each individual to kind of see what others or see and hear what others observe about them. Right. Yeah. Being awesome. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's like, and it, it, you know, it really is, on a deeper level because of, because of him linking it to energetic systems that, you know, can and have been measured in the human system, mm -hmm. like the human body system. Because of that, it, it bears more weight than just the whole like, you know, positive self-talk thing, right. which a lot of times when you hear things about like, well, just say positive stuff, you know, it's like, the whole idea of like trying to polish a turd, you know, yeah, it's I was, like, I was going to say like, you know, put frosting on a mushroom. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, you try to make it like the, it's a surface level thing. Yeah. Right. But what he's saying is it's not surface level. It actually gets down into the deepest parts of your resonance and, and the way that your heart functions mm -hmm. and the kind of, the kind of energy that you put out, which we all know to be true. You know, you say it's hard to measure it. Yeah. Okay. I guess. But, but it really is true. You can tell when somebody walks in the room and they're in a bad mood. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you feel their energy, and everybody's had that experience, right? And it's not woo woo; mm -hmm. it's real. Yeah. They actually feel it. And so, if these kinds of things can change that energetic space, we project this stuff out to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's all good thing. Uh, all right. So now he's going to turn his focus to can can this stuff be used for healing, actually healing the body. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I thought this was interesting. I, we've heard about the placebo effect, mm -hmm. right? I, I, you're familiar with that, right? And the idea that, um, yeah, I mean, in, uh, experiments and stuff, right. And yeah, any kind of a, any kind of a medical experiment or, or not even really just medical a lot right. of times, you know, any kind of treatment, you know, you, you give somebody a placebo, which is something that's, you know, and the interesting part about the placebo effect shows that mind over matter can sometimes work mm -hmm. right cuz if they have if scientists have to test for placebo what mean what that means is that sometimes placebo works right <laughs> sometimes yeah, just giving it, somebody like, a sugar never... pill and saying oh yeah this is going to cure your cancer blah, 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 here you go right and then the people thinking that they're taking something that's going to cure their cancer and then they're cancer free like okay now that's a pretty extreme example but there are cases of that uh, and so you have to use placebo in the in experiments. Um, but have you ever heard of the nocebo effect? No. The nocebo is the opposite. 
It's when um, when you, somebody convinces themselves that something negative is going to happen, and then it does. Right? Oh. And so there's a story here um, that he that he heard about a, a guy who was a business owner, and one of his employees uh, came in one day and said that they had been diagnosed with breast cancer. That this this person was convinced because of what they I don't know maybe what they heard from a doctor or what they had read themselves. If not, in a year I'm going to be dead. I'll be dead in a year. So they go they go through treatment and an operation and everything, and they cancer free. She was fine. But then she died a year later. <laughs> Just, I don't know if it was from cancer or for something else. But, wow. um, yeah. Uh, just just from the idea of, um, you know, having mm-hmm. this thought in her head that she was going to die. That's right. what happened. So so that's the nocebo effect, which I thought was interesting. Because what he's trying to show is that our, our thoughts and our emotional stance on a particular thing in our lives mm-hmm. can really have effect to how it's played out. Right. Well, negative stuff is going to happen, hopefully not daily, but pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you have that state of mind, you're going to be like, well, that's it. Yep. Or Right. If you're looking for it, you're going to find it, it right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you look for it, you're going to find it. Yeah. How many times do you see that, you know, where people are looking for red flags and they just happen to be finding them all over the place, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's just the way life goes, right? Um, so then, uh, he was talking about the treatment of migraines here and this idea. So now this is the other way around. He's going back to sort of the using positive thought to control Mm -hmm. the way that the body functions. Um, so migraines, uh, have you heard of uh, biofeedback treatment for migraine patients? Um, uh, biofeedback. I've heard of neuro, the neurofeedback biofeedback, maybe not as familiar. Yeah, it could be another translational thing. But the idea is that, um, you know, they hook people up to sensors, right? Mm-hmm. And the sensors are all connected to things that measure relaxation in the body, right? And then those sensors are connected to a monitor that will then change an image on the screen mm-hmm. um, when the person reaches a certain level of relaxation. So it's not. It's, it's one of those things that should be uh, autonomic, like we talked about that before, right? right. Like you, you don't have like conscious control over. But they find when they put people in this scenario where you know, there's a computer screen that this person can actually get themselves to control something that was autonomic enough to change the image on the screen. Mm-hmm. And then by changing the image on the screen regularly they're bringing themselves into a relaxed state, which alleviates the migraine. Huh. Right. So it's biofeedback because, right. you know, they're getting feedback from the screen of what their bio systems are doing. Okay. Right. It's things that they're not supposed to be able to control, but if they just concentrate on right. it long enough, then they start to actually affect it. Maybe they're not controlling it, but they're affecting it. Right. To the point where they can heal their own migraine. Just by getting hooked up to a screen that shows you different images when you yeah. get relaxed enough that you don't feel a migraine anymore or whatever. Okay, so yeah, it does sound similar to uh, neurofeedback using the same sort of principles, I guess, where um, it, I guess neurofeedback would be more in like a cognitive okay. sort of uh, refocusing, but it's still like you're still attached to the wires and yeah. there's still an image you're trying to, maybe it's like a movie you're watching and... Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want it to buffer. Right. Uh, so 
whatever you're doing cognitively mm-hmm. is sort of controlling the amount of buffering. Right. Right. And it's you know rewiring basically yeah. your brain. Right. So you're you're yeah you're learning how to control things that you didn't think you could. Right. You know it's like all right we learn how to walk and use our hands at a young age we know how to do things like that mm-hmm. you know motor skills or whatever. But you don't realize how much more control you have, and that's kind of what he's saying. It's yeah. Like, because of these experiments and these, you know, these documented cases, you can influence these things. You know, if you think, as soon as you get a diagnosis from, so you hear this a lot with people, you know, that get a diagnosis of something that could be terminal, right? So much of it depends on the attitude that the person takes. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's one of the borderline things, you know, certain things, it's like super terminal. It's like, all right, it's going to be a miraculous situation. But mm-hmm. but the things that are borderline, a lot of times it's the way that the patient, uh, the attitude that they take into it, you know, either how long they live or they survive past a time when they should have already died or whatever. So you hear these things and it's, yeah, it's very interesting. So he goes into a story about his hair. <laughs> it's a great story, but I don't have time for it. But I'll just characterize it quickly. Um, this was when he first figured out he could do this for himself. <laughs> he was, okay. a, I really wish I could read it because of the way he talks about it. it he's, you know, he's a child of the '70s, you know, and all the, oh um, yeah, you know, sort of the, um, what was it, the flower, flower children movement, oh, yeah. or whatever it was, you know, right. all those, all those sort of hippie psychedelic bands or whatever. So he grew his hair long, you know, and um, a lot of the kids in his, you know, circle weren't allowed to grow their hair long, so he was cool. And then all of a sudden he started losing his hair, started getting bald spot in the back, you know, this is a big thing for him. And so a shaman tells him to talk to his hair. And at first Pierre Franck is like, that's stupid. I'm not going to talk to my hair. And then the shaman says, well, you don't care about it then, really, you know. And so a couple days later, this shaman, you know, bumps into him. He ended up working with this guy somehow. I don't remember, but... Uh, he finally decides, all right, I'm going to go for it and talk to my hair. So he started talking to his hair every night before he went to bed. <laughs> his hair started growing back. And the shaman's like, see, I told you, you just got to talk to your hair. So, wow. So if you're, you know, forget the uh, minoxidil uh, and just talk to your hair, you'll be good to go. So there you go. Uh, all right. So enough about hair loss. <laughs> uh, got to get to the love stuff um you know because all right yeah and that and then i'll get out of here and let you talk for a minute um, <laughs> but he's he's got two little two little short chapters on the idea of uh of soulmates and how do you draw in your ideal partner in your life because mm-hmm. obviously if you're reading a book like this and you want to control your future and and create your reality through conscious thought mm-hmm. you know obviously it maybe has to do with your career or it has to do with um you know where you want to live or different material things you want to have but then there's other like deeper reasons like maybe you just want to be happy or emotionally stable or mm-hmm. but of course a lot of people just they want to find love right where's the person out there that is my love right so um so of course he's going to talk about soulmates, right? And myself, I would I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed uh, hopeless romantic, so I'm like, yes, soulmates, this is great, it's cool. But after reading this, I don't think I can call myself that anymore. I think I'm hmm. I think I have to call myself a hope-filled romantic. You know that shows real growth. 
Thanks, Jay. <laughs> You're the closest thing I have to a therapist. So that felt great when he said that. <laughs> Uh, hey, you're staying curious. That's, yes, it's about yes. all a therapist can hope for. Yeah, <laughs> keep it curious. And now we're talking about soulmates and uh, experimentation, Jason. Gonna, <laughs> you're going to get a rating on this episode. <laughs> all right. Um, so there's a good uh, there's a good question and answer here. Uh, how do two people find each other if continents separate them? Simple. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Just type it into Jeeves. Uh, you know, he says, simple. The attractive power of resonance is responsible for bringing them together. Distance plays no role when it comes to the power of resonance. Neither does class difference, cultural difference, or any other hindrances. When two people step into resonance with each other, all seeming hurdles are surmountable. Resonance will pull each person toward the other, oftentimes without their even knowing it. And they are then completely surprised when they find each other and unite as partners. So. Sounds like a retelling of the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I guess so. I guess so. When, uh, when two people discover each other, they first recognize themselves. That was one of his big quotes. When two people discover each other, they first recognize themselves. And this, this went in a totally different direction than I thought it was going to go. Uh, I originally thought it was going to be like, you know, put out the, you know, the vibes out into the universe, do the whole like offer wave thing, like uh, put the offer wave out for my love to come, you know, that kind of thing, you know. My love. <laughs> my love. Because <laughs> he's a hippie with a my love. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it reminds me of I hurt. Radio. <laughs> I hurt my love. <laughs> That's what this podcast is. It hurts radio. <laughs> oh, uh, so so what he says here is is actually pretty interesting. Instead of you know directing it towards like pumping out all of this like particular vibe, you know. Instead, it's not like it's not like the whole like peacocks like spreading their feathers kind of thing. He says what it really is, it's like it's a it's an examination of yourself. He's like, figure yourself out. You mm. know, if, uh, which is really cool. So um he says, What we call love is the recognition of one's own love for oneself. And at the same time, this oneness with yourself creates a sense of oneness with others. Like really like you have to get into resonance with yourself. Mm -hmm. Once you find that space, then you're able to really project the energies that will draw in your right. soulmate. Pastor as person. Yes, yes. <laughs> Pastor as person. That was like our first class. Yeah, yeah. In seminary. Figure yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> uh and so then he asks another interesting question. Why do we not immediately attract our soulmate into our life? Right? People sometimes wonder that. You know, I've been looking a long Why time. Why can't it just happen? Where's my Already? love? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking for my love. Uh, and he says this, the answer lies within ourselves. Very often, our resonance field is not aligned with that of our soulmate. Mm. Right? Um, but he says something encouraging here, as he says, because really it's like, you know, if you're if you don't have your resonance to this 
to this particular space where you're going to match with this person resonance wise, then it's you're not going to draw them in. It's not going to be right. And you know, some sort of romantic, you know, Casablanca type experience, you mm-hmm. know, because you're not resonating at the level you need to be yet. Right. You know, you haven't created that field. But he says, don't be hard on yourself. We learn through our partnerships and with every love, we are capable of an even deeper love until we trust ourselves enough to invite our soulmate into our life. Essentially like, you know, cleaning up your house, you know, mm-hmm. before you invite the family over <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> like, before I uh, start calling the soulmate in, I got to, you know, straighten out the chakras over here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and also like, I want to have what they like to drink. Yeah. But I also have to know what I want right. to drink. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Eat. But that's exactly it. Yeah. Because if you may, if you throw a party and it's all stuff that you don't want or like or whatever... Right. Then you're just putting on a show, right? But if it's something that if there's things you like but they like too, then there can be cross talk about, oh yeah, I really like this, but I, I know you like this and I got this, you know, for mm-hmm. you guys and but this is for me. And then that's happened for me, you know, like brother in law, he's just doesn't like scotch who comes over for Christmas, you know. And right. like but we find we find drinks that we can drink together that both of us like. Mm-hmm. You know, we realize that we both really like uh white port. Of all things. Wow. You know? That's going uh, deep yeah. cuts on that one. Yeah, exactly. Wow. You know, why is it not sherry? That's my biggest question <laughs> with white port. How is it just not sherry? How can it be port? It's the first That's time I've white. heard of white port. It's so. freaking good, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's really good. Wow. We'll have some this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can drink it with my love. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying that. Yeah, uh, put it out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> what am I calling in when I say my love? <laughs> uh, we know that person needs to like white port, though. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> First requirement. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is the last chapter. Uh, it was also about love. Um, Aurelius Augustinus. It's not the last chapter of the book. I've got one more episode for this book. But uh, Aurelius Augustinus said this, what I really like. Love cannot be given away when one does not have it, and one has it only when one gives it, hmm. yeah, which is cool, because it's true. Love is only really love when you give it away, but you can't give it away if you don't have it. So it's just really... Right. Didn't you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers do a song about that? <laughs> don't, yes. <laughs> Yes, but I don't want to hear about them right now. <laughs> Sorry. There's one guy that works at the brewery, dude. He plays the Red Hot Chili Pepper Station every time he's in the brewery, and it's like starting to drive everybody nuts. We're going to lose it in there if we hear scar tissue one more time. <laughs> anyway. You don't wish you saw it? Yes. No, I don't. Uh, and I don't even dislike the Chili Peppers. Right. Like, they're yeah. fine. You know, Flea's a great bass player, but it's like, I can't take it anymore. Wow. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like I hit on a nerve there. Yes, yes. I'm not resonating in Tell a me good about space that. with that. <laughs> no, you don't have a license. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Damn. Uh, to be in resonance means nothing other than being in unison with another, to be on the same wavelength as the other. The law of resonance assumes that what happens between two people can only be perceived mutually. Um, when we send our energy, it inevitably meets another energy that oscillates similarly. When that happens, when uh, and when that happens, when we are in resonance with someone else, we feel light, cheerful, exhilarated, and euphoric. 
right? So you get into resonance with people. Uh, but he says, like, sometimes that doesn't work out, right? <laughs> Everybody's had that relationship where, mm-hmm. okay, it's a few weeks later, it's a month later, and you're like, eh, it's just neat clicking the way it was before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, what has most likely happened is that our resonance field has changed uh, or the resonance field of the other person has changed and we no longer oscillate together. Mm-hmm. Um, if the shared resonance field is based only on momentary thoughts and wishes and not on deep, long-term, sustained similarities and beliefs, the partnership cannot last. Thus, in the search for a true life partner, it is essential to generate the right resonance field so that the attractive powers can work to bring us a partnership that can be sustained over a period of long time. A partnership based on a true, deep, loving relationship. So again, he's going right back to where he started, this idea of it starts at the very core, heart center, worldview, like central belief place Mm -hmm. that if you, you know, if you're there with that. um, Yeah, if you're sharing your real self, basically. And that's what, and it's interesting that you say that because that's exactly where he goes with this. He says, um, uh, the only people who will be attracted to you are those who mirror exactly what you send out. So if you're sending out fake you, right. you're going to get fake somebody else. Yeah, you're going right? to get sending out Instagram you <laughs> yeah, to yeah. the world. Right, right. <laughs> Which is why social media is so bad for <laughs> relationships, really, you know, because you fall in love with somebody that's not even them, right? It's just mm-hmm. they're, they're whoever they persona is online, right? So he does this, um, he, and I won't go through the whole thing, but he does two exercises that he has here. He has an exercise on authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you essentially ask your, your, your whole inquiry in this exercise, and he lists it out in a bunch of bullet, bullet points, and if somebody wants to read it, it's on page 134 and 135. But the idea is that you go through and you examine yourself. Like, who are you really? Mm-hmm. What do you really want? Uh, and what are you, you know, what are you trying to uh, achieve in a relationship? What do you tr- want to offer somebody in a relationship? Right? It's mm-hmm. just, it's a self inquiry before anything else, because we often think about what do we want? You know, oh, mm-hmm. this is my type, right? Or yeah. what does this person look like? Or what do they do? Or you know, do they like the same stuff that I like? But really, you're not thinking about yourself at all. Um, and then he says, what happens is <clears throat> when you get into those shallow relationships, which you haven't really done the inquiry mm-hmm. he says eventually when you get close enough to somebody your shadow side is exposed right? now if you are not at at good terms with that part of yourself the shadow self mm-hmm. then you you know you're upset that this person has discovered this part of you you're frustrated that they've you know that it's exposed or you know or they you think they're not who they are anymore right and all this stuff happens right so he says what you need to do also is discover your shadow self. So mm-hmm. not only the inquiry to who you really are and what you really want, but he says, like, you also got to deal with all that other stuff. And he says, um, how can you figure out what is involved in your shadow side? You can discover this relatively easily. Everything is easy and simple with Pierre Franck. <laughs> I love this guy. It's like nothing's hard. It's just simple. Simply respond with your first thought to the following sentences without thinking about it. All right. So we're going to do this. We're actually going to do this exercise and that'll be pretty much it. I'm going to get a couple of quotes. Ooh. All right. This is like music of the <laughs> spheres game show. Yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> so Mario, I don't know. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yes. Well. Those sounds are copyrighted. I'm pretty sure oh. you can't make them on a podcast. <laughs> no, that's the sound of my cat. I heard radio is going to come after <laughs> us. Uh, all right. So, so you don't actually have to say these things out loud unless you want to. But, um, <laughs> but this is, I would invite our listeners to do this, right? So uh, you just fill in the blank to all these questions or these statements. I, and, and it's sort of with relationship ideas, not, you know, general life stuff, but mm-hmm. all having to do with the relationship sphere. I am scared that blank. I never want to experience blank again. The bad part about relationships is that blank. The problem with women or men is that blank. Right. So you answer those questions and he says, by answering those questions, you discover your shadow self, like those parts of yourself in relationship, mm-hmm. not your full shadow self, right, right, but, right. But, but your relationship shadow self. Like, what are, what are those things that are your deepest, really your deepest fears mm-hmm. and your deepest scars? Right. And he says, cause those things are going to be what manifests in any true deep and real relationship. Right. And if you haven't addressed it, then you're not ready to resonate with your soulmate. Um, all right. Uh, when we don't have something we want, it's because we have not created the right resonance field to attract it. Uh, and he says, our partner is our mirror who reflects back to us our own subconscious beliefs, uh, which I think is really cool. Because About ourselves? Or just... In general, our own subconscious beliefs, which is why like, when you find somebody that you really resonate with, you you talk to them and you learn things about your own understanding. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you you know experienced that, but just like you, yeah. you know, where you're like, wow, I never thought of it, but yeah, it's exactly what I think or believe, right? But they they say it in a way that you can understand it better or something, right? Mm-hmm. Or or understand it, and this happens in friendships too, not just soulmate type relationships, but yeah. you know, where somebody contextualizes something that you really truly understand and believe to be true. Mm-hmm but they do it in a way that helps you to see it or understand it on an even deeper level. And that's because the partner is the mirror who reflects back to us our own subconscious beliefs because you've drawn them in with that resonance. So they're actually oscillating and resonating in the same, from that same like core worldview place. Um, all right. Um, so I just have a couple of quotes and then I'm done. So he says this, Wish for a partner who will accompany you in your own growth and development, just as you are prepared to accompany your partner in his or her growth and development. That it's really not about finding somebody who's, who's perfect and having you be perfect for them. It's about finding somebody who's perfectly willing to work through that with you mm-hmm. in, in both of your lives. When we start by being really honest with ourselves and develop a relationship with ourselves based on the truth, we will eventually gain the trust of a partner who is willing to show him or herself authentically too. Only then do we get closeness because the game of hide and seek is over when we can finally walk hand in hand with a partner on the same path and discover the world because we no longer use up all our energy hiding from ourselves. In this way, of course, this is Pierre Franck. He says this, in this way, life becomes very easy. We transform together. We are each evolving into a wonderful soulmate. 
So there you go. I hope that each of you out there listening is evolving into a wonderful soulmate for whoever your soulmate is. (laughs) Uh, That's it, though. That's all I got for this week. Just a short little (laughs) jaunt there. If you've listened this far, you should be praising yourself. (laughs) All right, we're going to do You are the 1%. (laughs) Yes, yes. Or less than that. We're going to put in multiple timestamps just for segment two when Jordan talks. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for segment two of episode number 43. We're going to take a short break, drink some Molson Triple X, and come right back and see what Jason has to say about all that soulmate stuff. We've got a plan. <laughs> we'll be right back. Episode 43. I was trying to think of other 43s. It's not really a number that pops up very much. I was thinking of it. Uh, that was Richard Petty's number. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was thinking. The STP too. race car. <laughs> yeah. yep. 43. Seven championships. Is that right? Yeah. 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 He, he was the king of the stock king. car racing. Right. The king. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they just released their 2024 schedule. Oh, they did. I didn't know they had to do that kind of thing. I just thought it was always the same. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Probably has to do with sponsorship money or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like all things. Including music. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need more sponsorship money <laughs> so we can afford beer that doesn't give us an instant headache. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, yeah, Thursday morning is going to be a little rough, but we'll see. Um, I've got a few things written down here. All right. Which is good. I, yeah, I'm excited to hear what you got to say. Um, you first started talking about mind mapping. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wrote down it, like really any kind of reflective practice really can't hurt. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you start to do it, um, the easier it becomes to like be reflective yeah and make some changes because like anything it's like a scary thought because it's gonna create change mm-hmm. um and we get so used to doing the things that we do <laughs> that change even if it's in a positive direction is maybe a difficult thing to do um yeah so, so I, mind mapping i mean was that did that make sense to you or was that something you've encountered before because he said it it could be called similar to something known as mind mapping. He was talking about the, the wish successful wish collage. Right. Right. Yeah. But then he said, this is, this is sometimes thought of as similar to mind mapping. Is Mm -hmm. that something you've encountered in your work is the idea of mind mapping? Um, I mean, in general, yes. I don't Mm -hmm. know if people have specifically called it mind mapping. Mm -hmm. There's probably a bunch of different sort of phrases for something similar. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like the that old idea of like a hope chest too, even. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know what people did exactly with hope chests. Maybe it was more for like finding your true love. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I think uh, <laughs> actually in Back to the Future, right? Yeah. I think uh, he goes back and his own mother puts his pants on her hope chest. Um, but All right. A, <laughs> right. <laughs> where are my pants? <laughs> on my hope chest. <laughs> it gets awkward if the girl you like's name is Hope. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, I, I started thinking about different uh, other other ways of sort of like mapping yourself uh, in uh, in the counseling program. We often did like a culture culture mapping mm-hmm. of ourselves and culture sort of like really digging into like um, specifics about myself, like cyclist, uh, Christian musician like all of those kind of cultures too mm-hmm. um you know youngest child that kind of stuff yeah yeah um <laughs> and so you really start getting a sense of like all these different things about you and like how did how did you become all those things that mm-hmm. you would actually name as like you're part of that culture right um so that's another and then um i mean I, even like the the genogram came to mind where you sort of map your your family and the different uh, relationship uh, dynamics and mm-hmm. even the status, right, of those relationships. Yeah. Um, just to kind of see, again, like where you fit in, how you kind of got to where you are, um, and and maybe like how you could move forward from those things. Right. Um, but, I mean, I guess my general thought was just like any sort of all these self-reflective practices i think uh we none of us well maybe not none of us but the majority of us do not give enough time right to do that kind of stuff um partly because it takes time that we don't have Mm -hmm. but also i think because it's a a scary practice to dive into and Um, and i mean he was looking at it in the context of like sort of mapping out what you want. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he was talking about like really like specific things, like to live in an apartment in a certain neighborhood right. is what you want, right? I mean, how many, how many of us are even, like everybody I think would say, yeah, I know what I want. And then if you ask them to be specific, I bet most people would be like, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they start to stumble at that point of, you know, when you right. asked it. And so that's what I think was was interesting about the exercise itself is the sort of specificity that it requires mm-hmm. to actually put that stuff on a collage, you right. know, and, and how am I going to represent this on a collage? And I have to get pretty specific. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if everyone is so tongue tied when asked that question or asked to do that, um, then maybe it goes like to the, you know, the, the further chapters in the book where he's talking about like knowing, <laughs> Yeah. knowing you right and then then you could say specifically right where you want to live and what you want to do and right who you want to be yeah because if you don't i mean if you don't know the answers if you don't know specifically what you want uh, or what you want to be or do mm-hmm. or you know if you don't or if you don't have at least a worldview that speaks to that in some way then you're just pumping out energy in in your everyday life that's kind of not directed mm-hmm. you know so I think that's really the whole idea of, of the book is to just get uh, specific and guided in your 
energetic functions. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next thing, well, you talked about uh, doing things with joy. Mm-hmm. He talked about it. Yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> you also said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love hanging out with joy. <laughs> um. Which, I mean, made me, kind of what you were saying, uh, made me think of of a phrase with a specific um, type of sort of therapeutic uh, stance called the, um, like, the humanistic world of of therapy. Okay. And, and the phrase is unconditional positive regard, which maybe I've mentioned before. Unconditional um, positive regard. I don't think you've mentioned right. That. I feel which, like I would have mentioned that. Yeah, uh, I mean the the basic idea the is old like UPR. Right. Yeah. 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 The Uper <laughs> or Uper. I yeah, I gotta go call an Uper. <laughs> yeah, because I'm feeling pretty negative right now. <laughs> gotta call me an Uper. It's an upper. <laughs> it's an upper. Get an upper on an Uper. That's a good way to remember it. Well, actually, you ride an Uber. If you ever find it on an exam. <laughs> It would be attached to Carl Rogers, who like perfected it. Oh yeah. So they call it like Rogerian therapy. Okay. Um, or like the therapeutic framework. Well, that's a really cool way to make Rogers sound cool. Rogerian. Rogerian. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was like, why is he talking about the Rosicrucians? I'm like, oh no, 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 it's Roger. <laughs> it's Roger. Yeah. We can't do that with our last name, I don't think. Like, like there's no way to make it sound yes, cool. Yes, Whiterian. <laughs> Whiterian. Yeah, that sounds actually better than I thought it would. <laughs> um, but it's basically the idea of, like, um, seeing a client uh, or patient, whatever word you want to use, in a positive light, sort of regardless of the situation. Of all the crap you think about him, <laughs> this person is messed up. <laughs> How did I get stuck with this? <laughs> I guess in in a nutshell, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like you know, like, or even you know, if you're a parent, oh yeah, to like um, seeing your child, even like in mm. spite of their behavior or something, mm. right? That's Making hard. sure they know that you love them, that yes. kind of thing, right? Yes. Unconditional positive regard, yeah. not necessarily like. Pollyanna, but just like letting someone know their worth or like, right. just, you know, treating them like right. a, a human who is to be um, uh, like honored. Yeah. <laughs> well, the way that I see that is, is it's the, it's the opposite of uh, tribalism. Right. So I think about that a lot with, you know, the idea of, because something that's been so f- forward to me in my recent thinking and inquiry, mm-hmm. worldview-wise, is the idea of oneness and connection. Mm-hmm. And that we all are connected, we all are one, we all are part of something greater. And I guess the antithesis of that would be tribalism, where, you see, no, it's me versus you. Mm-hmm. survival of the fittest we talked about this with yeah. your you know with your fungus my ideas versus your ideas right right yeah. and they they're the antithesis of one another and one cannot survive without the death of the other mm-hmm. right and it's this you know tribalistic understanding and, and that can happen you know unconditional positive regard is saying 
I see you as part of the oneness that I'm in, mm-hmm. that, that we are, even though right. there may be all kinds of things that feel like separation in between us, I can still see you as a valued part of the whole that I am also a part of. Mm-hmm. And we are one in, in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I like that. Right. I mean, the therapy is uh, literally called person-centered therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. kind of like what that sort of therapist is trying to do. Mm-hmm. And in reality, like all therapists should be trying to do that to a certain extent. Yeah. Like the they've talked so much about the therapeutic alliance, the relationship between client and and therapist. Yeah. Um being so crucial that that like the client has at least one person who can hear their stories and still treat them as like an honored part of the human race <laughs> yeah yeah um well it's yeah i mean i know you have other stuff but but it's like almost saying like i am going to as the therapist in this situation do my best to mm-hmm. resonate at right. your frequency to mm-hmm. you know to find your oscillation where are you and i'm going to get in there with you and do this right you know even if it's not where i really want to be or where i'm at but because right. i'm because I can say, because that's my work and that's my, my role in, mm-hmm. in this life and in your life, that I'm going to get into that resonant space with you yeah. so that you can share those stories in a safe place because you don't have anybody else to talk to. Right. About. And, so, and like some counselors can do it in uh, settings with like people who have been convicted of crimes, right? Mm-hmm. And they're still able to see their personhood, mm-hmm. which is... I don't, I don't know if that's something I can do yet, but yeah. we'll see. Yep. I, I that hope license rolls in sometime well, yeah. next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. Thanks, New York State. Maybe you if can, you're listening, hey, New York State. Maybe you can make a license out of macaroni and Elmer's glue. <laughs> this is my Etsy shop of homemade permits and licenses. <laughs> Look at me. I'm very qualified and also pretty slick with glue. <laughs> You get a license. You get a license. <laughs> um, so then you're talking about um, sort of what maybe it was in a seminar, people talking with others about future realities. About future reality. Oh, yes, yes. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. The idea um, is that you it, you sit down with a group of people and you... Right. you Figure out whatever it is you want, you're wishing for. You've already done your collage, right? Mm-hmm. So now you know what you want. And so you don't have it yet, but you pretend you do and you talk like you do. Right. You know? So I would say, I love sailing on my 43-foot X-Yacht 4.3. It's uh-huh. beautiful. And I love uh, making bread in the galley. It's, you should have my bread sometimes. The whole cabin just smells deliciously of baking bread coming out of the galley. It's one of those it, $2 million yachts? Yeah, yeah. And you just, you know, so you like like that, right? You talk uh-huh. about it like you are already right. experiencing it. And you tell not only just you, you like, you actually describe those moments of mm-hmm. what it's like to, you know, to experience that reality. In the uh, in the stern bedroom, I was cooking bacon on my George Foreman grill. <laughs> yes, yeah. Stern bedroom, that's not what it's called. <laughs> the aft cabin? Aft cabin, right. <laughs> stern bedroom. 
I kind of like mine. But yeah, whatever. yeah. So you woke up on the wrong side of the stern bed. <laughs> that bed is angry <laughs> and kind of, uh, kind of annoyed with me. Yeah, yeah. If you wake up on the wrong side of the stern bed, you're in the water. That's not, that's not good. Don't do that. All right, I haven't gotten my nautical terms figured out yet, but. Um, this is it's, it, was, it was interesting because this is kind of like a, a walk down memory lane of my, uh, you know, counseling master's program. Nice. You guys just read Pierre Franck <laughs> all the time <laughs> where everything's easy and simple. Yeah, right. It's easy. <laughs> it's yeah. very simple. Yeah. You guys are going to be you, great therapists. Would you like to come out your shadow self? <laughs> simple, really. Answer these four questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need like maybe three meetings with clients max. Yeah. You guys will be fine. Yeah. Drink this Molson Triple X. Answer these questions. Shadow self. Solve. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but this reminded me of the miracle question oh, in yeah. a way, right? I mean, which we've already talked about, but you know, your problems are removed, right? Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. your issues are resolved, right? And how do you know, right? And you know what? That's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because what that shows me is how how th- looking at things through new lenses can bring new understanding. Mm-hmm. Because I think I remember, and we could probably look it up if, if we really went back in the catalog, but, <clears throat> you know, I think my first take when you talked about the miracle question was kind of like, oh, right, because well, then you imagine yourself in this new place, and then you can figure out all the steps that you took to get yourself to the new place, and then you can start doing those steps, right? Mm-hmm. But I think with this understanding, it's it's not even that complicated. It's really more easy and simple. <laughs> <laughs> It really, what, what's happening is you're just putting yourself into that energetic mm-hmm. space of I'm a person that has overcome these problems. I'm a person that has this in my past. It's part of my story, but I'm through it. Right. And, and it sort of just brings you into that energetic space. So then you start resonating and you know, putting, that, putting that resonance out into the universe. Mm-hmm. Therefore, bringing about a greater likelihood that that will be your reality. Right. And so it's not even just about like figuring out some sort of steps to take. It's really just switching your energy to a new state of oscillation. Right. And maybe in a, in a, a cognitive uh, field, it would be like making the subconscious conscious. Right. Or more conscious. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Well, that's what this is all about. It's just all about the subconscious, right? Right. It's it's about like manipulating the conscious, like surface level reality mm-hmm. by actually affecting how the subconscious and the subsurface level reality is working. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So he he uh, mentioned the you know talk with others, uh, but then also uh, conversations with self, right? Yeah. And you were just having a conversation with yourself about, <laughs> about this, the triple X. Look at this <laughs> remaining triple X in this bottle. Like, oh, I really want to drink this. But <clears throat> um, do it. I got to do it for I Hurt Radio. <laughs> I Hurt Radio. <laughs> I, you will in the morning. I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hurt in the morning. <laughs> uh, I hurt. Yeah. I, I hurt Molson triple X. <laughs> I hurt it. <laughs> it hurts me. <laughs> That was the, my worst spelling moment ever, and it was recorded. H E R T. What does that spell? 
Nothing, really. <laughs> somebody's last name? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Any wrong spelling can be somebody's last name. <laughs> um, but yeah, that conversation with self, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, And it's not just like talking to yourself. Something, I mean, I do it a lot throughout the day. I'm mm-hmm. assuming other people do yeah. it, which makes me feel better about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to Siri today. <laughs> yeah. <to> Siri. <laughs> Yeah, I heard. I heard some. Uh, yeah, thin office door there. Some conversations <laughs> with Siri. Just trying to figure out my new phone. I cannot do it right. Um, so I mean, we we talk to ourselves like a lot during the day. Just you know, making making thoughts uh, more clear, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Um, but usually, it's not with such um, specificity, like what he was talking about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, he, I think he, if you're referencing the same part I'm thinking of, it was like, right. You create imaginary friends in your house by yourself. Yeah. And you talk to them. Yeah. And you tell them about this reality that you're living. That's awesome. Right. And how much you love it and how great it is, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> and so that, that remind me of, um, I, I'm sure you've heard of the empty chair, empty chair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which is the gestalt uh, style of therapy. Um, so a gestalt therapist would probably use, maybe they wouldn't use an empty chair, mm-hmm. but they would say like, if, um, say like you're thinking about getting a new job, mm-hmm. um, but you're sort of, you have ambivalence, like part of you wants to stay where you are because you know it and it's safe and all that stability stuff. And then the other part of you wants to, you know, get out there and see what else you could do and who else you could be, right? Right. Um, and a the empty chair practice would have you um, sit in one chair and then look at the empty chair. Um, and the empty chair is one or the other, right? It's your current self or that future self and mm-hmm. a different job. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of talk. And you imagine what they would say back to you, and then you switch. Yeah, and yeah. So, so you get like both sides, and you kind of working out for yourself, like what, uh, what are these, what are these convoluted, amb- ambivalent feelings that I'm having, and how yeah. can I, how can I get clear about it? So this like talking, you know, talking to imaginary people mm-hmm. is kind of what that is. Yeah. Um, about, you know, these hopes you have and. And saying these realities that are true or whatever, yeah. uh, whatever it could be. So I mean, it, that's like a pretty well-known sort of therapeutic practice to help people find clarity about the future. Right. And it sounds like it's a it's yeah it's like it's like a practice of trying to f- discover how you actually are resonating. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's what the that's what the empty chair would be. Right, he's like, I'm gonna try both of these on, yeah, right, and kind of see what what feels right, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe you're talking you know to the person in the empty chair who stayed in their job, mm-hmm. right, and you're like, yeah, I, you know I, I feel great because i I ended up not you know not taking risks and I feel stable and I can go home and I sleep at night, and everything is you know mm-hmm. you find out that that's your resonance, right, right? you actually discover your own in the moment resonance by doing that. Whereas, you know, you might say to the other one, the other person, I went off on this, you know, 
wild, mm -hmm. you know, job that I got offered and it fell through. And now right. I'm in that now that shows you that your resonance mm -hmm. was to stay yeah. in this position because of what it afforded you. Or if you stayed, you might say, like, yeah, like, you know, I have restless nights where I uh, think about the what if and, mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And now I'm <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like depressed and. So it's about, it, yep. according to, you know, if we look at it through the lens of what Pierre Franck's talking about, that then it's, it's, uh, it's about discerning where your resonance is at. Because mm -hmm. that's what a lot of his exercises are, is to try to figure out, like, all right, well, what, you know, what do you want? Or, or what are you, how are you sending out energy now based mm -hmm. on what's around you? Look at your life. Look at the things around you, the people around you, your situations, the things that are stressful, the things that are joyful. You know, like, like, all that will tell you how you're mm -hmm. putting energy out into the world. You know, once you discern that, then you can understand, like, all right, is this what I want to do or be? Then I'll keep doing it. If not, then I can change it. Mm -hmm. by, not, not just by trying to change it on the surface but just by getting into the new space right yeah go yeah and, go and sit in the empty chair right yeah. and it's really what it is uh -huh. right like yeah feel it out yeah yep. check to see i mean that's what i like i kind of like the addition of the vibration sort of tuning fork idea mm -hmm. of like yeah it's not something's not quite like you know you have that i mean in music right if if you kind of continue on with that it, you want the good vibrations, right? Yeah. <laughs> you want to be picking up good vibrations, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, like when you think about like just tuning a guitar string, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Right. You kind of get that uh, that sort of the the vibrations start lining up. The, yeah. the more in tune things are, right? Right. Right. Yeah. What you're hearing, yeah. In, in that case, from tuning strings, is the the difference in the wavelengths. You mm -hmm. can actually hear it. You know, it comes through in your ear. Right. And you can get that way in yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So taking something else that that resonates at a, a way that you want to resonate, like a singing bowl is going to naturally uh, emphasize certain partials of a fundamental and certain overtones, mm -hmm. which are then akin to the cosmos that we right. live in, the, you know, the creation that we're a part of, right? And mm -hmm. once... You know, once your human body is able to experience that, it's like almost like just a reminder. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell my students all the time, like we do these finger exercises, which are just meant to get your hand in the right shape for technique. You don't ever use them to play. You go and do other things when you're playing. Right. But sometimes for all my students, their technique in their left hand, especially because that's the hardest part on the guitar, the technique in the left hand will get out of whack, you know, where... Mm -hmm. the thumb will go in the wrong spot or the you know the knuckles are too close to the fretboard or whatever it might be different things and i say just just stop playing go do the exercise again you know and then remember what that feels like and go back and play the thing you're trying to play right and that's what it is when you hear resonance is that resonance like reminds the body and mm -hmm. your energetic systems oh right yes yes this is how i'm supposed to be functioning you mm -hmm. know it's easy to get out of out of whack. Yeah. Um, which is why I think um, music therapy is uh, a specific field as well. Yeah. Um, like I had one client who uh, really most of our time together was spent talking about songs, uh, hmm. which I was like really excited about because 
Um, no one else wanted to do that. <laughs> um, but also, like, he would just, you know, look up lyrics yeah. um, to these songs he's listening to. and Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> Scottish, you know. <laughs> Give it away. <laughs> Is that them even? Yeah, that's okay. them. You're I right. thought that was You got them. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he would be able to sort of... Uh, these complex feelings he was having wasn't really able to describe without the help of first the oh, lyrics, yeah. mm-hmm. but then also like um, picking songs that are um, musically expressive of what he was feeling. Yeah. Um, and so uh, again, like what he was talking about in the book is, is also just like a, a, a practice in, in a therapeutic setting as well. Right, right. Um, <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Like there's so many, uh, so many echoes. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, like you were talking about authenticity sort of near the end. Yeah. Um, With all the uh, stuff about my love. Yeah. <laughs> my love. I gotta be authentic for my love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how will my love know who I am <laughs> if I don't know who I, I am? <laughs> I got to know my love if I'm going to know my love. <laughs> my self-love. Um, I think our audience is going to want us to drink Molson Triple X every episode yeah, right. Right after this one. <laughs> um, well, one thing you're talking about is just like, you know, knowing yourself. Uh, so one uh, one of the practices that, we've done is like guiding principles. So, Mm -hmm. you you know, you give people like a list. It can be any, any sort of number, usually more than 20, at least words that just like, they're just there. It could be like trust, joy, hope, salad, salad, (laughs) (laughs) healthy eating, (laughs) (laughs) Mentos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, you try to get them to pare it down to like, 10 mm-hmm. and then really more down to like five yeah and if you can find five words that are really just like popping out that you're resonating with yeah basically yeah um those are probably the things that are kind of pointing you toward your authentic self mm-hmm. and and obviously you have to be honest about it you can't be like well i i want to be a person who cares about trust right <laughs> Right. So I circle it, but really yeah. I don't. Yeah. That's like me with like morning person. <laughs> I so want to be a morning person, but when morning comes, I just don't anymore. You know, like every other part of the day, I'm like, yeah, being a morning person would be awesome. Uh, and then it was morning. I'm like, I'm a night person. <laughs> Maybe you need to sing the mornings here song by Joey from Friends. Oh, you should look that, that up. I'm not going to sing it here because okay. it's probably copyrighted, but. Yeah, um, I don't want I heard radio to get can all of my peppers cover it. Can I, can, I, <laughs> can I hear Anthony Kiedis sing it? There might be some <laughs> covers of it. I I bet you it's that popular. I don't know if the if the Chili Peppers did it. Um, and then uh, the uh, um, a couple other parts of the authenticity. Um, you're talking about the shadow self. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that, and I've also heard. Um, the public self, the private self, and the secret self. Ah, yes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like the three different ways we sort of show up. 
Mm-hmm. It sounds like the shadow self is more akin to the secret self. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, yeah, uh, we. This is the deepest part of us that even like we don't want to think about sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, mostly he was referencing shadow self in the idea of this is the person that has the the generated scars and fears mm-hmm. from previous experience sure. right yeah so i had a bad relationship right mm-hmm. and now i've i bring into my next relationship all these particular fears from that one right and so you you hide it at first in mm-hmm. this new relationship right I'm like, oh, okay well this is the thing that happened and uh, i don't want that to happen again so i'm gonna keep that over here and show them just this part you know, <clears throat> but eventually it's discovered, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he was talking about, right? From from because I didn't share as much as obviously was there, um, but uh, yeah. So I guess that would be depends on how you f- how you file that as your you know away as a person how, mm-hmm. how you file that away. Is it does it become part of your um, your private self where you just you think about it a lot, or does it go all the way to secret self where you're not even that aware? Of right. It, you know? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm afraid of this in a relationship, and you don't even realize mm-hmm. it until you start seeing it happen in the relationship before you that you're right. in, and you're like, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe especially if it was like traumatizing, you, you would just push it, right, deep down and all the way, and yeah. then, but then something is gonna bring it back. Yeah. Maybe. Um. But I guess the idea was that uh, all, or at least the public and um, private self would eventually maybe be more uh, uh, less distinguishable, I guess. Right. You know, just that you are who you are privately, like with your, you know, with your closest friends and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then publicly, you're just kind of, you're not doing that chameleon thing. You're just, right. you're just, right. you are who you are. Yeah. Um, which, it's difficult, I think. You know, it's like because yeah. that's vulnerable, and that takes a lot of uh, just sort of putting yourself out there, right? And it's not even—I don't even think it's so much. I mean, it takes vulnerability if you haven't done the work to really discover all of it, right? Right. right. Like if if yeah. I've done the work and I'm I know mm-hmm. myself well enough, and I, that's really what he was saying was like, yeah. if you want to. If you really want to find your soulmate, I, I think he, he talked about it in the in the way of like he believes in soulmates because that's mm-hmm. like a big discussion, right? It's like, do soulmates exist or not? You know, does, right. does everybody have a one and only kind of thing, right? Um, you know, so it sounds like he believes in soulmates. He says, but you're not going to find that right. soulmate until you have gotten yourself into a place where you can resonate mm-hmm. in a way that's going to work with that soulmate that you have there is somebody out there that's going to resonate with you in this perfect way or close to perfect mm-hmm. in this world right you're going to you're going to find that person but you are not going to find them until you get yourself to a place where you understand how you're actually resonating right, right? yeah and so yes it could be uh scary to go or invulnerable to go and you know share private self out in the public but if you've already figured not, it yeah, out not if you have done the work like of, i just know who i am yeah this is who i am and you're just what comfortable you see is what you get and yep. you're comfortable and you know who you are and what you want and there's so then it's like yeah no there's not really that much to hide i'm just that's just me right you know yeah. and that's i think that's but then yeah that is like 
resonance with self, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm, I'm more aligned. I'm more self aligned, like the, you know, the harmonies of the singing bowl mm-hmm. or the tuning fork or, you know, just the natural resonance of the universe. I'm, I'm in that. So there's nothing for me to try to hide or be concerned about mm-hmm. except for the 12 pack of Molson triple X that I got. And I don't want people to see that I have yeah. <laughs> that. I guess part of my secret self. <laughs> That I've somehow record on the internet and put out to the world. <laughs> and yeah, future Jordan wants you to forget that you yeah. oh, have that yes. in it'll, the fridge. One more and it'll be forgetting a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, the last thing I wrote down was uh, just that he, I, I don't know exactly how he used uh, hide and seek. It was in a quote of his. Um, oh, yeah. A game right of hide and end. seek. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if you could find that mm-hmm. again. Um, you want it? I got it, yeah. Oh, well. When we start by being really honest with ourselves and develop a relationship with ourselves based on the truth, we will eventually gain the trust of a partner who is willing to show him or herself authentically too. Only then do we get closeness because the game of hide and seek is over. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I re- I really liked the idea of the game of hide and seek being over, not only with, um, you know, like a relationship, but just just like from yourself, <laughs> right? A game of hide yeah. and seek. Yeah, <laughs> like wouldn't it? That would be nice just to like not hiding from yourself, right? And um, then you're not seeking yourself, or you're not like seeking some. Right, future version of yourself. Right, because you, <laughs> when the hiding stops, so does the seeking. Right, in, in that right in that particular analogy. Right, yeah. like all right, I don't have to seek anymore because I am just me. Yeah, I just am. Right, mm-hmm. like yeah, scripture from this past Sunday was the name of God. I am. Oh yeah, that I am. Yep. No hide and seek there. I'm just mm-hmm. I am. <laughs> right, and like that's that's what the goal is in many cases is to just be comfortable was who I am, mm-hmm. but also on a way of not sort of a blissful ignorance, but a knowing, right? right. I, I know, right? I know myself, and therefore I can know how I fit with others. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's what it, the context was about, right. that soulmate-type relationship. You know, I, can, mm-hmm. I can be a good soulmate to someone, and I can experience the joys of sharing life with a soulmate because I can be myself. I can just be. Mm -hmm. And that was right on the heels of not trying to find a soulmate where you can be perfect for them or they can be perfect for you. But sort of this part of the whole resonance that you connect with is that you're both on an equal footing as far as what you're trying to discover about yourself uh-huh. and about the world and about who you are. Right. That it's like realizing it's all a work in progress mm-hmm. and in being able to accept that about yourself and the other, that you do that journey together right. of, of discovery of self and other and world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it might even be harder to figure out yourself than someone else. Right. I mean, and if you can, so if you can figure out yourself, yeah, um, that that puts you like way ahead of the game in like 
Yeah. Figuring out who you are with other people. Yeah. Well, that's what he said. I mean, he's like, the per- the other person is your mirror of your subconscious, right? And so you actually are able to to help them understand themselves better. That's mm-hmm. when it's a true like soulmate relationship, when the relationship allows you to have a better understanding of yourself because of the other that you're engaged with in that relationship. So it, so it is, yes, it is ultimately about understanding yourself. Uh, and you do that with somebody else, right? which is, mm-hmm. yeah, very cool idea. And the game of hide and seek has ceased. <laughs> has, it's over. <laughs> like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> A smooth yeah. transition. Yeah, how'd you like that? Because we can't do any more of the episode um, because we had too much Molson triple uh, <laughs> X, which is funny because it's really not that high ABV. It's something about the alcohol, it's just like you just, it just like goes right into your brainstem. Yeah, if you try it, whoever you are out there, yeah, like just be prepared for like the shock to the system. It's just weirdly boozy for seven point three, right? Seriously, like. I think I have a I have a Bach beer that was given to me from some brewery. It's like seven percent in a fridge. Mm-hmm. We're like we could drink that, and it would be like yeah, it just tastes like beer. Mm-hmm. This is like what did you put in here, guys? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, thank you, Jason, for your insights. Yes. Uh, Fun as always. Uh, thank you to all of you lovely listeners because you help us with our self discovery by letting us ramble to you for two plus hours every week. Well, when we record, it's every week. Yeah. Well, and it depends on uh, what speed they listen to us. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Some people are getting this through. Could be a half hour. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Whoa, I'm looking at 4X, baby. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't catch every word, but yeah. that's what I, <laughs> that's that's what I chose. That's why they do it. <laughs> we, we only like every fourth word. <laughs> uh, all right. So send us an email. Uh, check us out on Facebook or the Instagram where you can see pictures of Instagram <laughs> on there. <laughs> and uh, send us an email. It's uh, brothers at music of the spheres podcast.com and um, send us salad. If you have a great salad recipe, we'd love to try it. You just send it in a refrigerated package. Um, and <laughs> we would love it. I'll give you the address. Send me an email. <laughs> uh, and that's it for this week. So, from the deepest parts of our beings, we thank you for being a part of our universe here at the Music of the Spheres podcast. Have a great week.
iHeart Radio. No, I probably can't I, say that on here, can I? I H E R T <laughs> Radio. H E R T H E R T Radio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They'll never know what we're talking about. <laughs>